0: question or like he's, repeat the question please
1: he, he's saying that that um, even if the Predators do get a top-line center Nashville is not going to quote outgun Dallas Chicago St. Louis or Minnesota in the playoffs I, 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 I disagree would,
2: on I would that. disagree on all but two, one of mm-hmm. those teams I think the Predators with a with center could easily outgun St. Louis or Minnesota
1: and also no team has won the Stanley Cup since the lockout without some really good center depth
2: no one Mm-mm. it's true so, centers are
1: kind of important,
2: apparently. Mm-hmm. Kind of important. That's what I hear. More so than goaltending. Oh,
1: still a good question, though. Uh, Brandon Valentine writes in Is it common of time? What's going on with Gramberg? <laughs> and can, <laughs> this is, oh, this, it gets better. Uh, can general manager David Poyle <laughs> GM both the Predators and the Titans? I'll take care of the last part. At least, um, at least Poyle has a good history of drafting defensive players, which the Titans are in dear need of. And, uh, but, you know, there's not a whole lot of training that goes on in the NFL. David Poyle may have missed us calling in life. He, c- he could be an excellent NFL general manager.
0: Can we trade Weber for Mariota?
1: Ooh.
2: Ooh, maybe we could trade have a Weber. distributor
0: to, to the guys. Trade
2: so Weber to the league. Eagles. For He can coach the Eagles. And then, I don't know who. who, who there's no one you want back from the Eagles. Never mind. Yeah, I have to track that. Who would you mm-hmm. want? No one. <laughs>
1: Welcome, then, second episode of the new year. This is the predcast presented by Lions on Internet Marketing Solutions and on the 4 checkcom He's Chris Link. I'm he's John Garcia. I'm Dan Bradley. I'm not John Garcia. No, no one's John. Well, it, well man, there I are a lot of John of part, of part of us man, inside. We only. all have a little John Garcia inside. Our I think, there, yeah, there is a there is a small bit of John Garcia in me that that wants to get like a couple more tattoos, play guitar better, and I own a few in Maiden albums. Not well, a whole lot.
2: We'll have to get you your first tattoo before you get a couple. Yeah,
1: more. you can't you can't stop what doesn't start. Yeah, it's kind of where I'm at with that. But yeah, at some point. I, I don't know. I just turned thirty, so I, I should. Oh, that would have been a great thirtieth birthday party. It would have. It would have been. Um, but no, I, I feel like such a letdown. My dad's got like seven.
0: Wow. For I someone, didn't know that. It,
1: for someone in like and who grew up in the seventies and eighties, that's a lot.
0: When did uh, he get his first one? Like at that time, or has it been mm-hmm. recently?
1: No, he, I think he was in, in like uh, he's like 18, 17 years old. Um, he had one he drew himself that I really want to replicate on me. And he he drew, like, this amazing dragon that's, it's 80s as hell, but <laughs> it's awesome. It's on his leg, though, so I could definitely do that.
2: I could see you with some sort of rad dragon tattoo in your leg.
1: I'm not a, I'm not a big, like, I'm not a big tattoo person just because it's, you know, I, I guess from being a banker, you kind of purge all that out of you. Because where I worked is a very low-income area, and they're like, man, I really don't want to be anything like some of these people that are here. But that's that was kind of a stain on me. For during my early 20s. So that, that's, all, that's a me problem. That's not a world problem. That's a bias that I have, and I've done my best to overcome it. But, man, that was, if you only saw some of the tattoos I saw. There there are some truly astounding tattoos out there, I, I will say. I have quit dating imagine. people because she had too many, like, $100 tattoos. I'm like, I really know. This is going to look really bad in 10 years. You have the symbol from, like, a TV show that got canceled after two seasons on you. Ooh, yeah.
2: That that can be a little rough, unless I mean, unless it was a really like like a Brian Fuller show, which inevitably gets canceled after two seasons. That I could get behind.
1: I can't, I'm not going to say the name of the show, but man, that was because it, it pretty. I didn't. I don't want to embarrass her or anything like that. But geez, we'll talk on it. I'm now
0: super intrigued. Yeah. Have you dated many girls with TV shows? This tattooed is, onto them. This is a so very I mean, kind of narrows it down right there.
1: Yeah, I, I've dated a... well. I guess you could say that some characters were technically on TV shows, so I guess you could say a few. Okay. I actually, just to wrap up this wonderful little, little segment, I had one friend.
2: He, for a while, I think he finally got over it, uh, but he would only date girls with tattoos of cupcakes. It was a weird, weird thing. Oh, I got and someone And it was for phenomenal. Him.
1: I got someone for him then.
2: Oh, wow. <laughs> so now we're, we're, <laughs> we're yeah. getting into, uh, in, it, we're, we're moving beyond Farmers Only to Predator, Predcast Listeners Only. Which would be the most niche dating site of all time. That'd be. Can you just imagine that? Hold on. It's, wow. it'd, be, it'd be about 20 angry commenters in a room together trying to, yeah, trying to find love. Because <laughs> of,
1: like, of our like 12 listeners, I have to believe that at least a few of them are married. So yeah, it'd be like three or four people just kind of sitting around and, and drinking coffee and complaining about everything. That could be awesome. Nah. Sorry, we're all kind of. We're like, oh, that does sound kind of nice. That, mm-hmm. It sounds like us. Uh, So, (laughs) I wanted to take a a moment with this. Um, This being Sunday, NFL playoffs going on this weekend, and uh, I couldn't help but think that yesterday, the Saturday games, which are the two AFC games, you had Kansas City versus Houston, and then you had Pittsburgh versus Cincinnati. Uh, The Cincinnati-Pittsburgh game may go down in history as one of the worst beats in the history of sports. Uh, For those who didn't see it, uh, i.e. John Garcia, uh, for those who didn't see it... um, Cincinnati has has got the ball, like around 90 seconds left, and they have control. The weather has just been torrential downpour the whole time. Cincinnati is playing with a backup quarterback, and they're on the way to beat the Steelers. They have so uh, what, like three minutes
0: left or something? Less than that, 90 I, seconds. I saw, cause I saw the highlight.
1: Cincinnati hasn't won a playoff game since I think we all,
2: we all were children. I, I believe that what um, my friend told me is that the last time they won a playoff game, they beat the uh, Houston Oilers.
1: That sells a lot. That sells a lot. Wow. So. Cincinnati somehow, I think they Jeremy, uh, their running back fumbles the football, and Pittsburgh gets it. Pittsburgh is kind of methodically moving the ball down the field with about uh, just a, a, you know a handful of change of seconds left. A penalty gets called on Cincinnati for a headshot, which exists in football as well. And then another player who was infamous here in Nashville, Adam Pacman Jones, gets into an argument with the with a Pittsburgh coach, gets another fifteen yard flag. So they move thirty yards with no time moving off the clock. Pittsburgh hits a field goal, wins the game. Is one of the worst beats I think I've ever seen in sports. And that's saying something because later on uh, on uh, today, Minnesota missed a uh, a 26-yard field goal to win the game. They missed that. So Didn't that happen once before? That's happened before. But looking at uh, just taking off your uh, your Predators hat for a moment because we're going to exclude Predators' worst beats ever because those are pretty obvious, like the infamous Martin E. Rat game five against Chicago. For you personally, and it doesn't even have to be a team that you root for, What's the worst beat you've ever seen?
0: I can answer this, and it is a team that I root for. Game five of the 2012 uh, NLDS, Washington Nationals versus the uh, St. Louis Cardinals. Washington had an 8 to nothing lead in the sixth inning and ended up losing the game. In the, cause they, uh, and I believe it was in the ninth inning. is Because the Cardinals started chipping away, they started chipping away, they started chipping away. And they were literally one strike away from going on to the next round. And Drew Storen, who just got traded to Toronto a couple days ago, just could not get that last strike. And St. Louis went ahead by two runs, and then the Nats couldn't come back. Of all of the sports games that I've seen, and I saw the Montreal collapse with Capitals in uh, two thousand and ten, I think that one might just be like, "Oh my god!" I am trying to think of collapse because I think I, I sort of black all those out and try to
2: pretend they never, ever, ever happened. Uh, I mean, the 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 darkest moments, like the the thing that that had that sense of just everything crumbling out from beneath, was I, I think if I say two names, Patrick Kane and Michael Layton, Oof. that. Is That that moment still just sticks out in my mind so starkly because it was a good series. It was an even series. And then Kane flips, just casually flips the puck at the net. No one knows where it goes. And it turns out that that was a Stanley Cup clinching goal. And no one even knew it was in the net. And Michael except just for Patrick like, Kane. Except for Patrick Kane. But Michael Lane is standing like an, like an idiot. Does no idea what's going on. I and re- people are celebrating.
0: I always forget that Philadelphia made it to the Stanley Cup finals with Brian Boucher and Michael Layton as their goaltenders it's phenomenal was, Wow,
2: wow was they almost won a cup with those guys right. that just tells you you don't need an elite goaltender to win a Stanley Cup Wow
1: and that, that's we're definitely gonna get into that a bit later on too um, yeah worst beat I can remember was probably the Alabama Auburn game from a few years ago the infamous kick six where Alabama missed a last second field goal to win the game the game was tied Auburn returns it. Auburn, you can return a missed field goal as long as it doesn't go out of bounds.
0: Because it landed in the end zone, didn't it?
1: Landed in the end zone. Chris Davis runs it back 109 yards for a touchdown. So Auburn won? Auburn won. I love when
2: Alabama loses things.
1: You can find them on Twitter, at 3 D link. I, I kind of do, too, especially Auburn. All right, well... um, now that we got that out of the way, this is probably going to be one of our most loaded shows And in case I uh, forget to do it later on. Thank you very much for all the... Uh, this has been a very busy week for the website. We uh, did very good as far as our numbers go for our, our paperwork and such. We met whatever quotas. were. We don't really have quotas, but we would have met them. We I made suppose.
2: our own quotas and broke them.
1: Yeah, and also, uh, we got a lot of responses, people interested in the show. Um, uh People who screenshotted my uh, my Johansson article from back in November, which is pretty funny.
0: Which, incidentally, is when uh, apparently is when David Poyle started making the calls to Yarmo Kekalainen. Uh, did you hear that? No. Yeah. Apparently, the talks started around Thanksgiving.
1: Uh, oh my goodness.
0: Yeah, that came, that came out on Twitter. So that might Dan Bradley is responsible for Ryan Johansson being in Nashville. That is a scientific truth fact. Wow! Man. And when you
2: take two words that mean very similar things and jam together, that makes it even more real. Exactly. Truth. Fact. Wow, man.
0: Wow.
1: Okay. I was already my ego was already pretty big but before I came into this room today, but now, wow,
0: we're gonna have a hard time getting your head out
2: mm-hmm. the door. Mm. Yeah. I've got some some uh, coconut oil. We'll just smear <laughs> on the
1: side. Just pop right out. It'll be fine. Do you have to warm it up first? Nah.
0: Okay. Good. You might want to. It's so cold outside. Yeah. Screw that.
1: Did you guys see uh, where it was so cold today that like some like prop that the Vikings use on the on the field broke. Uh, well, I, I didn't see that, but what I yeah. what I did
2: see were tailgating fans who had put their beer, their their uh, beers around uh, like fire pits to help warm them up so they could drink them and keep them not from freezing.
0: Why would anyone live in Minnesota?
2: Um, if uh, Minneapolis has a great underground if, rap scene,
1: if you're if you're uh, you know if your family's there. Yeah, I mean, I think is it Ry- I think <laughs> Rhymesayers is headquartered there. I want to say yeah. are they headquartered there?
2: I don't know, but they've got a good they've got a good underground rap scene. Interesting, pretty good punk music too.
1: You oh. had to be underground because anything above ground is gonna freeze and die, right? Yeah, they do have a good public transit system too.
2: Their beats are so hot, so they can thaw the ice. <laughs> Mixtape just too fire. <laughs> this is the
1: most reference we've had to hip hop ever on this show. I- I've actually done the five tough questions to nothing but Fifty Cent beats before, and you don't even know it. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't know. <laughs> <laughs> Let's dive into it. Before we dive into the Johansson trade, uh, you must first understand the misery that we were under after the loss to Winnipeg. That may have been one of the most disheartening losses that I can remember here. Especially, well, I mean, that we've had our choices this year, like the infamous St. Louis game where they outshot them and lost 4 nothing. But to do it to the Jets, they outshot Winnipeg forty-four to nineteen. If you're looking at shot attempts, 57 to 28, that's just even strength. And they still lost badly. And, you know, Even beyond that, I, I went, because what I've taken to doing is I go and I find
2: that, that shot placement chart, and I see where they're shooting from and what's making on net, what's not. And it, it's not even that they weren't getting good quality shots. I mean, they were getting good quality shots more often than not. I mean, granted, they had so many that it really didn't even matter the proportionally, but it's, that was the really frustrating game for me because – it really showed that there was there was a piece missing there was a lack of creativity, a lack of drive, uh, you know no st- you really didn't see consistent uh, the, the team consistently going to the net and, and putting bodies in the way and, and creating some anything like that. and it was just the entire game long and it was hard 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 to watch even though they were so dominant, it was so boring at the same time.
0: Well and there were a lot of times when they would get across the blue line and just fire a shot. Like, there wasn't anyone in front of the net. There, were, They weren't trying to pick a corner. They were essentially, like, closing their eyes and shooting it um, at Connor Hellebuck, which, you know, in hockey, the, the cliche is, you know, any shot on net is a good shot. You know, throw it to the net. You never know what happens. But, I mean, when a goalie's on his game like that and you're not doing much to pick corners or do anything other than get at the logo of his chest, it's so frustrating to see them come down the wing and just fire a shot on, and then that's the end. that's the end of the play.
2: And if you throw 57 pucks towards the net what's going to happen is you know that that whole craziness that you get all the noise or you get random bounces that go in well that's at small numbers that's why people tell you that because it's small numbers that makes sense mm-hmm. but when you start throwing ridiculous numbers of pucks in the net that's going to start evening out and being you know uh, yeah i mean generally speaking yeah uh,
0: it, but it nothing seemed to go right yeah and in it, that ju- game. it highlighted i think almost everything wrong with the team i mean uh the penalty kill was terrible. That oh. the, like that first penalty kill goal was was awful. The second one maybe not so much, just because um, uh, was it Lowry that got it? It was um,
2: I think was it was this it was, the, it was um,
0: Stafford. It was Drew Stafford. Stafford. Both. Yeah, yeah, both it was, goals. Yeah, I, I couldn't remember if it was Lowry or Stafford. Uh, but that was a pretty awesome deflection on that second goal that he got. Um, but again, they that was the Jets getting to the front of the net and. The predators not doing a whole lot to clear them out. I mean, I know it's much harder to do on the penalty kill, but But that's not something that they've been. Exactly, that's not something that they've been good at all year.
2: But you you can you can go through and you can watch the footage of the the power play goals against the predators, and you see the same thing over and over again. You see a lack of strength in front of the net. Um, I, you know, the first uh, power play goal for Winnipeg, the first Stafford goal, you can just look and you kind of see. Philip Forsberg was kind of skating after Stafford. He'd lost Stafford, and Stafford was able to get in the position, and Forsberg was not in a place where he could clear him out. Mm-hmm. So, so Forsberg essentially dropped his man, and then it, it, you know, Stafford was, was free to do whatever he needed to do, and it worked. And, and it wasn't all that different than the other one. Granted, I, I still think Pekka should have had that second power play goal. I mean, right. it was a deflection, but it was sort of a flipped up in the air, and it was going straight into Pekka and he just didn't get, he didn't get closed down quick enough. Uh, and
1: it just, po- it just barely made it through. I mean, Pekarene only had fourteen. Only had to make uh, seventeen saves. He only made fourteen of them. Um, not as is Pekka. Is, uh, where do you put Pekka on this? The thing that I struggle with is is
2: I think what's really killing his save percentage more than anything is the penalty kill, because you know you look at his five on five numbers. Five on five numbers are are you know they're I mean, he's decent.
1: Thirteen out of fourteen even yeah, strength. You they're, know,
2: they're, his, his, at, at five on five, Pekka, Pekka has been pretty solid for most of the season. The problem is, is that the PK is such a disaster that he's just giving up goals left and right. So he'll have like a 93% save percentage of even strength, and then he'll have like a 70% save percentage on the, on the PK. And you do that game after game after game, it's going to drag the number down because you're not—93 is really, really hot mm-hmm. or— well, I mean, 93 is pretty high in the 70s, obviously, so it's going to go down.
0: Well, I don't know if I would say that Pekka's been really good at even strength. I think he's been average. Well, at I, best.
2: I, I didn't want to come across it as saying he was being like. Yeah, yeah. He was being fine. He yeah. was being, you know, He was average. Doing what he needed to do.
0: Yeah, like not, not. Definitely not the Pekka that we've seen over the past couple years. years. Um, not where we want him to be, but not terrible, I don't think. I don't know if I would say great. Maybe, maybe okay. He's been okay. Okay. Well, since he's the been fine. He's middle been of fine. November,
1: he had a really rough stretch. The end of the rest of the year, he was one of the worst goaltenders in the NHL. He was on par with Anders Lindback. Woof. Yeah. Anytime you're being compared with Anders Lindback if you're a goaltender, it's usually not a great thing. Unless it's comparing height. Unless you're comparing height or jolliness, I think that's you know that's about <laughs> it. Really. Jolliness. Yeah. Um. So personal feelings though, this was the tipping point. They had to do something. Um, I've read some of the reports out of Columbus that Car- that line and he got other offers, and this is fun because he would have gotten the offer to possibly go to St. Louis or send Johansson to St. Louis or to Minnesota. What would have been the reaction in Nashville, personally, if Ryan Johansson had gotten, shit, had gotten sent to uh, Minnesota or St. Louis? I. W- what would your reaction bad. be? Bad. It, it, it would mean, it would
0: be bad, especially... On, on a level
1: of 1 to 10, what would your vitriol be for like the front office?
0: I don't know if it would be a 10. It would probably be like an 8, 8.5, I imagine, especially if the reports came out that uh, Poyle was in discussions to get that and for whatever reason didn't want to send Jones, didn't want to send a package there.
2: It, for me, it would have been resignation. I, I have trouble getting really upset too far after something. And so something like that happening i it, it would have been like, of course, that's what happens. It's the National Predators. They lose out on... They get the next thing. So someone gets you Hansen and then the Predators get Eric Stahl. That's sort of what I... That's my expectation for how the Predators trade.
0: Yeah, and I'm glad that you said that because I was thinking the same exact thing. Is I think that there would have been maybe a little bit of, uh, you know, or maybe that they're going to be in on Rnh or maybe they're going to be in on Stall. But at that point, when... I assume the reports would have come out saying that they were in on Johansson and didn't fall through. I mean, no one would have believed that they were going to do anything that would have actually helped from there on out.
1: No, uh, I've, I've read a couple of uh, Edmonton writers that are pretty upset that they didn't get Seth Jones at this point, because Seth Jones was the biggest piece to be moved uh, when it comes to a top line center. Yeah,
2: that, that, Dan, I think is an interesting point, because... I do wonder if Boyle really shopped around Jones more. If he was, since he was obviously looking to trade him seriously, if
0: if he went to a team like Edmonton and said, "Yes, yeah, Jones," I imagine that he did because I heard. Uh, I think it was in Friedman's thirty thoughts, or maybe on Twitter or something like that. He said that he uh, inquired pretty seriously about Matt Duchesne, which I think we all would have would have really loved. But I I don't think that. Colorado would trade in the division for Matt Duchesne. Especially with as tight those teams
2: are. I mean, yeah. Edmonton maybe because it's Edmonton and they're always trying to pull themselves back into, mm-hmm. into things. And not to mention, you know, a, a defense for, for a center prospect with Edmonton-Nashville mm-hmm. is a really great trade partnership and improves both teams in a really good way and helps helps Edmonton, you know, compete against something like Colorado and helps Nashville compete against Colorado. So it's more about, like, the, the you know, enemy of my enemy is my friend type, right. type
1: scenario. Yeah. Is Ryan Johansson a better fit though? Because he's a bigger body, he plays better. He's a little bit, he's a little bit nasty. And if you look at some of his highlights, he's not afraid to deck a guy. He's decked Sidney Crosby in the middle of the ice before, and I personally love he that. laid a
0: couple good hits on yeah. in his first game. He, not to get yeah, too he hard, they really came out yeah. not too far ahead on there, and we'll I'll save most of that. But yeah. Um, I think so, because I think one of the things that is in the scouting report of uh, Nugent Hopkins is that he's not that type of, like, uh, snarly player. He's more along the lines of a finesse guy, uh, which is not necessarily a bad thing when he's got so much skill. But I think that's something that the Predators can use, someone that's skilled and is physical.
2: I I, Generally speaking, I like my finesse guys in the wings, and I like to have a larger body at, at center. Because they're going to be barreling in, they're going to they're going to have to be flexible. They're going to swap to the wing. I, I think that gives you more flexibility than if you have a finesse guy on the wing, then you have to complement him differently. Uh, so I, I happen to like that matchup better. Although, you know, long term, long term, I think Roger New Hopkins is probably the better player. And if you had the opportunity to pick him up, I think that's the long term better option because you can structure and, and draft and. You may not want to draft around him, obviously, but you you can build an acquire around him and uh, and promote him in a very different way than than Johansson.
1: I think people forget that, that uh, Ryan Johansson's only twenty three. We're not as close to seeing his prime yet either. Even though his prime, he's closer to his absolute ceiling than Seth Jones is. Seth Jones is like four or five years away from hitting his ceiling, right?
2: I, I would. I mean, Seth Jones is what 20, He's one. Twenty one. I mean, I think you're going to know where you're going to get from Seth Jones in a couple years. Ceiling, I mean maybe that's slightly different, but I think you're gonna know what you're gonna get from him in a couple years.
0: You're kinda like what where Yosi's at where a couple years ago you're like, Wow, this player's gonna be really good and now he's twenty five years old and you're like, Okay, this is like he's yeah. probably topped out where he's at right now, but I mean that's it's a good ceiling. Yeah, where it's, at. it's
2: it's the thing you you see someone's really good, but then they have to put in a couple seasons. of You saying, oh yeah, they're really good before mm-hmm. you can say that they're really good.
1: I think Roman Yossi's got a couple more years of growth. Not a whole lot of very sharp growth, but he's got a couple years of growth. Ryan Nugent Hopkins. The reason why I brought this up, Nugent Hopkins is not is about forty pounds lighter than Ryan Johansson. For a team that desperately needs someone to play in front of the net, uh, bringing in a guy who's built like Mike Ribero is kind of a tough kind of a tough sell to me. Yeah, I mean, it, it, like I said,
2: Ryan to Hopkins long-term, I think, is, is the better of the two pieces. But for what the Predators need for this season, next season, then Johansson, I think, is, is your guy.
1: I think he's a better fit. I think he's a better fit beside Neal. As long as he has—Neal's I mean, a left-handed shot playing on the right wing. Um, I really like the line with Colin Wilson where he's another left-handed shot. I mean, uh, Ryan Johansson made Nick Foligno a lot of money. A whole lot of money by being a left-handed shot on that line.
2: I, I would, I would love for Con Wilson to be the next Nick Feligno. That's completely I would cool. Absolutely, be okay with. And that. they've
1: already paid him a contract too, so they can. That's that's fine with it's me. An, that's an embarrassing
2: sentence to say about Connor Wilson, though. <laughs> yeah. For him, not really. for Well, me. I
0: mean, he he's been looking good the past couple of weeks, and he really looked good on uh, Friday night before he got. Yeah. That.
2: Well, I mean, I've I've long been in the camp of you know there, there's not a metric right now that is employed by the NHL that evaluates players like Wilson. And so those guys usually get dr- bumped out of the NHL and go over to Europe or something like mm-hmm. that. Um, or down to the h l a if I have a huge degree of success. Uh, so I'm I'm always hoping that he'll get that missing piece and put it together.
1: I think he just needs to start shooting the puck more and he's going to get better opportunities beside someone like Johansson. He was shooting at 3% at one point through like the the mid-part of the first part of the year. Like it, for the first 20 games, he was shooting like 2 or
0: 3%. His total uh, shooting percentage, like even strength, power, play, everything for the year, is barely above 5% right now. Yeah. And, uh, and That's actually trending upwards, Yeah, too, it, it, so. it is. And his uh, <laughs> career percentage is kind of skewed by that one season where he shot 26%. But if you look at the past couple years... It's sustainable, of years, John. It's sustainable. Oh, yeah, okay. Uh, <laughs> if you look at the past couple of years, I think he shot like 12% the year before, uh, two years ago, and then just over 10%. The last year, so if I think that that's about... 10. If it gets back to yeah, 10. I think we'll be okay.
1: in good business. Uh, let's dive through the other two dog babies of a game. So, yeah. Uh, Friday night to go to Colorado. Johansson, be topical here. Scores an absolutely awesome goal to get started, get us all excited. Five
0: oh. minutes into the freaking game. No, just like three minutes into the game, yeah. I think.
1: Uh, on the first power play, just the whole, am I going to pass? Am I going to pass? Am I going to pass? Chin music. Th- that and that game peaked too soon. Yeah. Much like the Predators' season last year, it peaked too soon. Because then we had the parade of penalties. Yeah, the penalty kills it just looked terrible. The penalties, of course, looked sloppy. six penalties? It was six, just, six penalties. The was six penalties
0: yeah. They were all obstruction penalties. It was like, like two hooking penalties, a tripping penalty, a holding penalty. Um, just shows you like that those. shows
2: you the speed the Colorado's built up.
0: Yeah. And it shows, you, that's when you get obstruction penalties is when the other team is way faster than you. And it shows you kind of where Nashville is at because they couldn't keep up with that.
1: Yeah, I mean, the bottom line, especially, we've had a lot of trouble keeping up with Colorado. And that was frustrating to see. Uh, penalty kill looked awful. Not Rene's best game, but again, the PK was terrible. So, how much are we going to put on him? Yeah, uh, That's that's why it's increasingly
2: hard to blame any of this uh, on, on Rene. And, you know, you get a scenario where a lot, of, like, like la- that night, you know, I was I was like, uh, what was going wrong? Trying to figure out things that were going wrong. And, it you know, it was more even than I thought the game should be. You know, the absolute best defenseman through the course of the game was, was Eckholm. I mean, he was. Easily the best guy out there, and then you have, uh, Gostad out there for like four goals or something
0: against. I know the, uh, the fourth line was directly responsible and on the ice for at least two of the goals. I think it was, um, at it even was, strength. At even yeah, and, and then, then Gostad, Gostad was, was out for four of the five. Right, and then Gostad was uh, I would say directly responsible for the game-winning goal where Tyson Berry shot that that puck right down the middle.
1: Here's your here's your penalty log real quick just to add to your point. Anthony Boteto tripping against Jerome Agelba. Matt uh, Barrett Jackman hooking against Duchesne. Craig Smith holding against Soderbergh. Craig Smith holding or er, hooking against Matt Duchesne. Mike Fisher tripping Alex Tangay and Mika Salamaki hooking against Tangay.
0: All obstruction
2: penalties. Yeah, I would say the, the, Salamaki's been having a rough go as of late a little bit, um, and then Boteto has continues to confirm that he's not an NHL defenseman. Why he's on the roster? and They keep playing him when they have other choice literally anybody else i mean bartley is better uh any but but potato has not ever he's never had a half decent passable nhl game Mm -hmm. just hasn't happened yet and the game against colorado same thing again he was just every bit as bad as he is in every game and i don't know how he gets ice time
0: Yeah, and i think that's where seth jones is really going to be missed is because they trade a player like seth jones who is very like even better than a uh six D should be or a five D should be. And now they're left with guys that can barely skate in the NHL right now. I mean that I think the I think the uh jury's still out a little bit on Granberg. Uh but I mean Potato is a liability every time that he's in the
2: Jackman is fine. Mm-hmm. He is ever most teams have a guy like Jackman on there because you can't get six Skating, puck moving defenseman on the same team and afford them all. So you're going to have guys like Jackman, and he's fine. Right. He's a good stay at home guy that's going to
1: enable someone to dive bomb a net. But Potato has no, I'm sorry. Potato, you're right. Potato doesn't have a real role. He's no, his positioning isn't great. He doesn't see the
2: ice very well. His his upside is supposed to be he brings more offensively, but he can't, because he plays a third pairing role, he can't engage that in any meaningful way. I've never seen it.
1: Uh, I mean the penalty kills twenty ninth in the league, by the way. I'm just a uh, Who's worse? Ooh. Man. That's a good question. Circling. I think back, Winnipeg's is pretty bad. Winnipegs is pretty bad. Uh Saturday night we we can keep talking about the PK because Saturday night they play against Arizona. Uh PK didn't look great. Fourth line didn't look great, and they weren't able to pretend to penetrate the um, Arizona defense. Arizona plays a lot like the Minnesota Wild do, where, except they have a little, bit more, a little bit more fun to watch, at least. But, oh, yeah. Um, Arizona likes to bodyguard the net. This is Dave Tippett Hockey. If you do not get a lead, you are
0: screwed. So I went back and watched the uh, condensed game highlights uh, this morning, and to your point that you made on Twitter and that you made right now, there was always someone in front of Deming. Like there was either a, a stone or someone else was always there, and they were pushing people out of the way to get him, and then they would collapse in front of him. Mm-hmm. It was incredible.
1: That's how you play with a backup goaltender. I mean, cautiously, was, cautiously, intelligently, and you clear away rebounds. You always stop the first shot. Could you imagine Tippett in charge? It, like Tippett strikes
2: me as you put when you put Barry Trotz in charge of a team like the Capitals, where all of a sudden he has all the tools he could need to be successful, and he's successful. Tippett's a guy who you put him in charge of a team with all the right tools. And he's going
0: to be very successful. He's a great coach, yeah. and it, it's it sucks that over the past couple of years he hasn't had a great roster to yeah. deal with. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's I would put him up there and talks as one of the, you know, you probably maybe top ten in the league. I would I, think. I, I think he's.
2: I mean, he does a great job with what he has. That'll be a fun. That'll be a nice episode of fun with index cards at some point when we do the coaches. My, now I want to ask, and Dan, you may already know this, so if you know it, don't jump in. My favorite statistic from the game against the Coyotes, is how many shots did the Predators miss? <laughs> Do you know this, Dan? Yes. John? John, give me a guess. How many shots did the Predators miss Saturday night
0: against, mm. against uh, the Coyotes? I'm going to say 20 shots.
2: You're very, very close. 24 shots. Jeez. They missed... Twenty four shots. That's not how you win a hockey game.
0: And if I remember correctly, there were even more shots that would have technically counted, but Domingue snatched them before they went wide to the net. And I think that counts as a shot on goal. Uh,
2: I know. I think the why. I don't. You know what? It's one of those things where different houses counted differently. Exactly. And houses meaning arenas. Um, but e-
0: either way, that's ugh. yeah.
2: Twenty four shots. That is. See, that strikes me as the biggest problem because that tells me that they're just they're they're. Just Dude, to pick wrong. They're just trying to pick corners.
1: There's nothing. I mean, I'm, I get what you're saying. I mean, I, that's there. That, there's no reason why you should have that many missed shots against a backup goaltender. You have to force him to make saves.
2: And <sighs> it also is you're not moving because if the whole idea, you're not getting the goaltender to move because the tar, If the goal is to make the goaltender have to move laterally and readjust, if you're missing shots, you like Dan. Maybe like you said, maybe you're trying to pick corners. Well, that means you're trying to do it on the first shot. Because if the goaltender is moving, you're not going to be trying to pick corners quite as much because the goaltender is not going to be in a perfect position.
1: And and that's just lazy. Uh, that's lazy hockey. There's not enough motion around. You're not getting the goaltender moving side to side like what they did against Lundquist a couple weeks ago. And
2: that's I mean, that's the topic we were talking about last week is there's a lack of creativity from the Predators players. And that's what I'm hoping Johansson comes in and over the course of the season helps fix is to inject some degree of creativity into this offense.
0: And I think we saw glimpses of that and what should come in the Colorado game because if you look at Ellis's shot they were passing around the zone if you uh and I think that was also the same no it was Forsberg's goal when uh, Forsberg, Johansson and Neal were on the ice I mean they were skating circles around the offensive zone for what probably a good sixty seconds, maybe a little bit less, maybe a little bit more, and that opened up the lanes to where Colorado was tired, and then yeah. Philip Forsberg walks right down the slot and fires at home. Yes, it, that's what there. we're looking for. The, the, yeah. the
2: elements are there. You I mean, there are a lot of players, Forsberg, Ellis, I think Eckholm, Yossi, uh Smith to degree, Wilson. These are all guys who have really who like to do really creative things. And and uh you know, Craig Smith gets burned. He got burned a lot. He doesn't do it nearly as much, I think, as a shame. Mm -hmm. Because he used to really challenge other skaters. He would go right at them and try to get around them and try to do some fancy things. He doesn't do that as much anymore because I think he was discouraged. Uh, I want to see more stuff like that because, one, it makes the team interesting to watch. And it also means that if a guy's coming at you, you don't know if he's going to dish the puck away, if he's going to try to make a move, he's going to try to go through you. It creates more uncertainty than if you know, oh, well, the Predators are not a team that, that they don't really deke. They are going to be looking for the outlet pass, or they're going to be trying to dish it over to the side, over the wing, and, and, and reestablish a cycle. That predictability is what kills offenses. Uh, and if if teams don't to counter that, then you have giveaways of the blue line, they turn into obstruction penalties, and it all goes down from there because the Predators can't stop anything on the PK. If
1: yeah. they make it through the stretch of January... I'm feeling a lot better because they make it through. They make it through January. If they make it through January, still in like still in the eighth spot or still in the ninth spot, I really like their chances because January is going to be rough. I mean, they only have three home games this entire month. They've already played one of them, and of course that was the infamous Winnipeg game. But I mean, th- this is kind of what we signed up for. As far as when you look at how this team plays on the road, they're not a great road team. Well, they're outside that spot right now. They yeah. are.
0: And, so, but I also have a hard time believing that Colorado is going to sustain what they're doing right now. It's
1: Colorado. Yeah. I see you mile high hockey with your want to want us to talk about the standings. Yeah, that's cool. We'll, we'll come back to that in two weeks. Sure. The teams have the same number of points. Yeah, the teams got the same number of points. Colorado has a has a regulation I, and I think, time win. I
0: think uh, Nashville's a game in hand. Also, nope. Oh, oh no, they 42. played it last night. Yeah, that's no, right. no, Colorado
1: has two. Um, extra wins on top of the Predators uh, Colorado's on a three game winning streak Nashville's on a three game losing streak so that's the reason why we've been having this conversation right so we put it out there on Twitter for your input and we also put it in the comments section what do you guys want to do first the Twitter or the uh, the OTF comments
0: let's do the OTF comments first because uh, I know I've, I took a peek at some of the Twitter questions and I think some of them are very good so we'll get to
1: that not saying yeah. the comment sections are good
0: but I didn't see any of them
1: Ooh. There. okay all right, uh, let's let's uh, let's dive in. I always, I've never got a chance to see this get say this guy's uh, name live. Hers Austin? Does that seem about right? Oh, I don't know how to say his name. Yeah. Deadline: Should we buy, sell, or prep for next year? And I say buy.
0: I don't think they need to do too much to, do too to be honest. Like, maybe I just
1: added a sixth defenseman. Yeah, that, that's about maybe, it.
0: Maybe, maybe try and see if you can bring in like a bottom six player that is decent. I don't think that that's really a need, but if the opportunity comes up and you can maybe sit Gostad, sit Nystrom, something like that. Or you
1: sell well, Gostad for a six defense. Yeah, exactly. Well, if you can yeah, if you can move Gostad, woohoo, but who's going to want to take
2: him? Uh,
1: uh Florida wants uh or uh, here, i was actually going to go with there. Dave Boland or not uh, not Dave Boland, Sorry, Dale Talon has added players like John Madden to the Chicago Blackhawks before. Yeah. So okay. So maybe maybe
2: we and Florida could do some body somewhere. So maybe uh, they get something but, back. Yeah, because you'd you'd have to move Gostad because it's not like there are players in the predator system who cannot fill that role better than he can, but they don't get to fill that role because of He's roster constructions. Yeah. And so, so you you'd have to move him to fill someone in. I. I've only seen one Grandberg. We've seen Grandberg play one game, and he was good—not spectacular, but he was good. He was a six D. I mean, yeah, he was. He, was, he was a third pairing defenseman. I need to see him play a lot more games. But he was more convincing in that one game, especially one where the Predators were flat. So being a, a, a brights point in a game where you, where the team was flat, you know, is, is pretty good for a six D. So I'd like to see him play a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think? certainly think he's earned another start over, over Boteto. Yeah, if anything, you want
1: to get a 60, so but you won't see Boteto again. Well, <laughs> you want to get another defenseman I don't, I don't to insulate Boteto
2: from seeing the lineup. Uh, you, you see, you can get Bartley pulled up through waivers and stick Boteto on waivers and see if anyone is well, is silly enough to pick him up.
0: Well, I don't think they need to uh, have Bartley go through waivers to pull him up, right? They no, just need they, to put,
1: no, there's no reentry waivers anymore. Yeah, they just have they, to. Oh.
0: Yeah, they just have to put. Potato on waivers. Yeah, so just
1: put potato on waivers and, and, bring up and see if anyone grabs him. And,
2: I mean, Bartley isn't leaps and bounds better, but you know I trust him and I think he's got some some. He brings a unique element. So he if at you least need a can play offense. Yeah, if you need a guy with to to add a little bit of something offensively or something a little bit different, you can put him in there, and you can uh, also play left wing.
0: Yeah, <laughs>
2: <There> <laughs> that was go. so funny. Uh, so, I, yeah, I I don't I don't think the Predators need to do a whole lot. Uh, it's almost if they can get rid of some bad pieces Mm -hmm. that would help improve the team, that's sort of the thing. So if they could even just get him out of there for like seventh round draft picks and stuff, I'd be fine with it.
1: If anything, if it opens up a space where you know that you can make a pitch to Jimmy Vesey and say, hey, uh, we're in a playoff race here. We got a spot open. I mean, I put it out earlier this week to Bryant that I don't want to be like full college football style recruiting for this kid, but if it gets him in the door, do it.
2: Well, you're, you're saying you can't like Drop like Cody Hodgson and throw in Jimmy Vesey?
1: Yeah, you can. Yeah. I'm all for it. I mean, Mm -hmm. I'm all for at least making sure there's a spot there where he can be flexed in.
0: Yeah, I love Cody Hodgson, but if putting him down and like putting him on waivers or trading him away means signing Jimmy Vesey, sorry, Cody.
1: Yeah, peace out. Yeah, I
0: mean, it'd probably,
1: Kings would probably pick him up because they, they do love their their questionable centers. Oh, no, I would still keep him on, like, on the team. I'd still keep Hodgson, I mean, as far as, you know, maybe... Like either Milwaukee or something or like that. Or scratch him or something. Yeah. You know, I mean, they, you can't tell me they can't scratch somebody. Wave potato and scratch Hodgson. Everyone wins. Uh, Tauntaun Sean writes in, Do we have an actual second line? I'm pretty convinced we have a great first line and then, like, 18 third or fourth lines. Okay, yeah. Let's let's go back to something very fundamental. And this is from...
2: I'm going to paraphrase from the mouth of the coach himself. He does not number his lines. Top nine. So, yeah. Top, so, yeah. The Predators have a clear... When you have a number one center and you have your scores, there's going to be obvious elite scoring lines expected to put out the bulk, bulk of the goals. Other than that, it doesn't really matter. People get moved around all the time. Now, granted, Gostad and, and Nice are always going to be together, but their wing is going to rotate. And then the wings and everything for the second two lines are going to rotate. Even the top line, the the wings are going to rotate. And that's not going to stop. And we've seen everyone hop all over the place. I don't think you can number the lines.
0: I don't have really anything to add to that. I think also if you look at it, I... And I said this in the summer sometime. I don't remember if I said it on the show, but I definitely said it in the comment section. Having Ribeiro as a, uh, you know, a 2C, taking that type of role, where he's not the guy to be counted on for all the offense or making everything happen, is just fine. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's not, he's, he's not nearly as good of a player as he was last season or as he was in his career. But, I mean, it's not like he's not making things happen out there. Career
1: number two center. Exactly. And you can't tell me that a lot, that when Wilson gets healthy and Wilson gets put back on the top line and then you have Forsberg, Ribeiro, and Smith... That's a pretty good second line. That's no? uh, if, if they
0: decide yeah, to Smith, do that, because like because looking at the chemistry between, uh, you know, Neil Forsberg and Johansson, that might be a sticking point for a little bit. Yeah, I mean, that's, a, that's, that's, that's a legitimate top line, oh, yeah. too. And, I, and not that I have any problem with Wilson on the top line, either. I'm just yeah. saying.
2: And plus, I think I think Smith is, I mean, he is a pure 100% second line winger. Mm-hmm. I mean, no doubt about it. That's definitely. where he's meant to be. Yeah.
1: Mario writes in, why is it our veterans making... Oh, let me rephrase it. Why are our veterans making so many boneheaded decisions on the PK? And do Gosted and Nystrom have blackmail material on the coaching staff? Uh, well, they
2: make so many boneheaded plays, not because they're mental mistakes, I think. It's because they don't have the same element of speed. Uh, their reaction time isn't there. And, and there's a, you know, a diminishing degree of physicality. And all those things add up. Uh, you're talking about a bunch of guys who are you know they're all I was just to say they're all mid 30s at this
0: point and in the hockey world that's retirement age yeah yeah and I think that we tend to forget that there are still plenty of old school ways of thinking in NHL coaches to where they look at these guys and they say okay maybe they're not the the best players but you know they they have that leadership they have that sandpaper they have they they are veteran players they've been they around win the face-offs. block they've been around the block before so i can i can count on them to get stuff done and that maybe one of the like their prime reason for pulling up someone like colton systems who doesn't have a whole lot of nhl experience and doesn't have that uh, type of uh, veteran leadership or he's you know seen everything before I
2: mean, we, we saw that with uh, barry trotz where he said where you know he was very plain that he will play veteran over a uh, a younger player even if the younger player is better because the veteran has
1: earned his right to be there that was the most infuriating things about that tenure that's one thing that i really don't miss David Castillo writes in – he's one of our friends from uh, Defending Big D, the Dallas SB Nation blog. Mm. Outsider thoughts. With Shea Weber in a modest decline, is it possible to say that the Johansson for Jones move was the right trade at the wrong time? Does the trade chip away at what makes Nashville special, or is it just Nashville's necessary switch to a new identity? I want to take this one first real quick. Um I think this move was a. Uh, I think this move was almost always in the cards. If Nashville had regained their form coming off the, board the the year where they tanked to Seth Jones, not on purpose tank, but you get what I'm saying. If Nashville had, was going to regain their form, this was a trade that was going to happen. What made this trade happen a bit sooner is the emergence of Ryan Ellis and Matthias Eckholm oh, Matthias Eckholm is so damn good. Mm-hmm. Roman Yossi is kind of transitioning to where he's he's taking the old Shea Weber role, and Shea Weber's now taking the old Ryan Suter role. Um... And I touched a little bit on this, and I hope I don't come across as angry with it, but I I understand people posting the charts that say Weber's in a bit of a decline, and yes, he's 30 years old. When I mean, you have a power-based game, you know, power's one of the last things to leave you, but his skating ability, which was awesome when he was younger, it's not going to be the same as when he when he gets older. But he's been a consistent around 50% shot attempts for the last several years. The team around him has gotten so much better, and the team itself has raised itself being a bad possession team that just gave up the puck to now a team that holds on to the puck. So if you're looking at his numbers compared to the relative to the team, of course, they're going to be skewed. Uh, Sam Page brought up a really good point on this because he was, was Weber used to be playing on a team with like Timu Laxo and Billy Koystinen and, and some really bad possession defensemen. Now he's playing on a team that have, that has Ryan Ellis, Matthias Ekholm as kind of a number two, number three flex pairing. So, Weber's been about the same all these years. It's more of the team that's kind of been kind of uh, taking a quantum leap forward as far as possession goes, which is making his stats relative to the team look completely uh, skewed. So, so my
2: answer for this, and I, I really like your approach to that, Dan, um, my answer for this is, is around asset management. Uh, the pre- You know, Poyle, you look at the history, uh, the Predators have, have it, they develop and they draft defensemen constantly, and these guys, these defensemen turn out really well. And what happens to most of them? The Predators fail to sign them, and they, and they end up leaving, and the Predators get little to nothing. Uh, I think this was an sa- example of Poyle looking and seeing, okay, we've got a, our number one and our, our number one pair. We actually have a number two pair of, of Ryan Ellis, who has developed— people don't talk about how well he's actually developed— and Ekholm, who quietly developed, and then was all of a sudden magically good. Well, no, he's always been good. Just Trots wouldn't give him the time of day. Uh So then you had Seth Jones and Seth Jones wasn't going to crack the Ellis Ekholm pairing because that's a good pairing. He wasn't going to crack the top line pairing. So all of a sudden you're going to have a guy who's going to come up on his RFA and he's not playing the minutes that he should play. And he's not going to get to play the minutes that he should play. So he's going to, he's not going to be able to get the money that he deserves probably. And so now you have a really difficult asset to handle and it, has you know restricted value and there's you know potential for offer sheets there's potential for other things maybe even forcing a trade something like that there's a lot of room for problems to happen so what do you do when you've got a guy playing the third line who's who or the third pairing who is a you know first pairing you know ceiling type guy using just just number two
1: you trade him for a really good asset Let's also let's also remember that Seth Jones management, I believe, is uh, affiliated with Jay Z's organization. There's no way he's staying in a small market like Nashville for his entire career.
0: No.
2: Yeah, I mean I think I think the trade was entirely about asset management. I think it was the perfect thing to do. The fact that it was a one for one trade, uh, was great. Oh Columbus I, fans hated. Yeah, I couldn't believe that, that um uh, the Predators managed to trade for a, a number one center style player. For someone who's essentially still a prospect defenseman, essentially a prospect defenseman.
0: And to, to kind of get away from the question a little bit, like, I was astounded at, like, when it happened... Uh, that because you know when, when we talked about this it was always like you know Seth Jones and something else for someone else and someone else and like we're all coming up with these like
1: crazy Maybe scenarios. they could take on David Clarkson's contract. <laughs> yeah
0: exactly or maybe they could you know take over Ribeiro <laughs> and have a center and then they bring one back like all this like weird stuff and like, that's just like a one for one. swap, which never happens anymore. No. And it was like I, I, I told you this yesterday when we were um, uh, when we were meeting for lunch but there was a comment right when it happened uh said Seth Jones for Johansson straight up and I looked on Twitter I looked on like websites and everything like that I didn't see that and I deleted the comment because I was like this guy is just blowing smoke out of nowhere there's no and then about five minutes later the Blue Jackets tweeted that they had acquired seth jones for johansson i was blown away oh it's amazing
1: yeah like you'll appreciate this i found out about it when i'm sitting on my couch with no electronical devices like out and just watching the television i've got a glass of cold chardonnay and i'm i'm enjoying like my, my my mexican food that's cooking in the stove and i get the email that says media availability david poyle ryan johansson snap so
2: well <laughs> so so if
1: we're telling where we were stories
2: yeah. i was playing heres of the storm upstairs so, obviously, I'm dialed in. I'm not looking at anything. And then um, I had died, and my, uh, just my, I had gotten a text message, like, five minutes into the game. And I pick it up, and, just, and it, was, uh, it was one of my friends I can't remember who it was. said, hey, what do you think about the trade? And I'm sitting there, and my guy's about to respawn, and I'm like, trade? What trade? So, I'm, like, half-clicking, and I'm like, I've got my phone in one hand, and I'm, like, trying to, like, maneuver around this map with my mouse in the other hand, being like, What's happening? What's happening? It was very, it was very nerve wracking. I got very emotional <laughs> in a very gamer type way. Oh yeah. We
1: got three more on this. Uh, Chazzy e writes in, hearing too much Pekka chatter. Has anyone run some analysis on where this team would be if Pekka was putting up the same percentage as say Braden Holtby, and not the Predators would be? I doubt <laughs> the Predators would be many more points ahead. There's simply no offensive creativity happening. The Predators in the business of creating elite goalies for other teams. Okay, t-
0: two points on that. If the <laughs> Predators had a Vesna caliber goalie this season, they would be doing. They, just they would fine. be
2: one, two in the in the Central. Yeah,
0: two. Uh, I disagree that if Pekka was playing, let's just say his career average, that they. Would still be in the same spot. I think that they would be plenty of points ahead.
2: Yeah, it, they'd be they'd be in the mix with with St. Louis and the Blackhawks and Minnesota and everybody. They'd be yeah. right in the heart of it. If if Pekka was putting up Holtby like numbers, they'd be in like second place. Because yeah, that can cover up a
0: lot of problems. Yeah, and I can run those numbers uh, uh, sometime soon to see like just about where they would be looking at. But I can't imagine that they would be in the same. Yeah. Spot. Someone's already done it between. If Peck,
1: Peck, oh, Arena had, that had the, save, the same the same safe percentage as Holtby, which is a uh, .932 instead of a .906, he would have given up 63 goals instead of 87.
0: <laughs> wow. So, okay. So, that's a lot but, of goals. yeah. And by uh, logic from uh, some of the people who've done goaltender advantage stats, I think it's uh, every six goals is a win or something like that. So you're looking yeah. at what? Uh, four, Three or four extra wins?
1: Yep. Which would put them right in the middle of the that Central would, so this
2: three or four extra wins at six points. So, yeah, put him at, we'll just say that. We'll just give him what? 51, 52 points?
1: Yeah, put him tied with Minnesota for fourth.
2: Yeah, I mean that would throw him up there. I think I, six seems like awfully high. I don't really know. But as far as worth point, but mm-hmm.
1: that, it, that's shaving off so many goals because Nashville allows so few shots. Right. Whew. Man, that's that's a cool thing to think about. His actually his uh, safe percentage has actually jumped up quite a bit after that terrible start in November. If you look at even strength numbers, the penalty kill has just been.
0: I was going to say the garbage. at the Minnesota, yeah. the Minnesota the Minnesota game didn't do a whole lot to garbage. to help uh, that yeah. safe yeah. percentage.
1: And that's the thing if if. Heka
2: is playing at his average, and the Predators have an average PK. That would be, the, I mean, that would pretty much fix some of the marine problems with the team. Yeah. Yeah. If it fix the PK, fix the team. And frankly, a, a, a bottom, I mean, the, the P, there has to be a way to fix the oh, PK. There's no the reason way, the, this the team PK, be this bad in the PK. There's
1: only one team that has worse PK than Nashville. You, want, you guys want to take a guess who it is? I thought it was Winnipeg. No. Uh, Buffalo. No. Calgary. Edmonton. Calgary. Ah. Uh, I got guy. it. Calgary Flames are pretty bad. But if you look at everyone else that's got like a, a bottom five penalty kill, none of them are in the playoff race. None of them. Hey, kind of telling. Right. Kind of telling. Right they're in it right now. Well, yeah, they are. They're, they're in the playoff race. I mean, race. they're in the race, but they're race. not in a spot. Yeah. All right. We've got a couple more here. Um, Jeffrey101Y writes in your opinions on how long you just think David Poyle allows the coaching staff to continue playing with his toys that way. He can't trade everybody. Fancy stats be damned in this scenario because any team can hold to the puck, skating outside and taking perimeter shots. The opposition simply allows it at this point. So essentially, he's unhappy with the style of play. We've covered that. He's, I think he's uh, concerned that uh, maybe that Lavi-Less not doing a good job with his roster or maybe the strategy's not working well. I disagree on that.
2: Well, I, mean, I, that. I do think there's
1: a lack of
0: creativity, though. Lack like of creativity, yeah. But I mean, I don't think that... Um, Laviolette is like torpedoing the club I mean I don't know as far as the workings of the coaching staff how much uh, he and Kevin McCarthy talk about the penalty kill uh, at some point someone needs to step in and do something because it's obviously not working it's not getting any better um, I don't know I I, th- I think that they, ha- they haven't had a lot of time to practice with Johansson I think that once we see uh, a few more games, we might see some of that creativity come back. And I I think that, unfortunately, there's not a lot of time to, like, sit and wait. But I also think that we need to give it a couple more games before we make any, like, rash judgments or final judgments on what this team is now.
1: Agreed on that. Um, Mm
2: -hmm. You know, this this is not answering the question, I don't think. Maybe it is. I don't know. The question confused me to a large degree. (laughs) Um, But I kind of wonder, in a post-trance Predators world, how long does Poyle hang on to the second coach in Predators history? Does he get a similar rope, or does Laviolette get the Laviolette treatment and get shipped off after a very short number of years, like he seems to have a history of?
0: I would say that I would not expect him... To like, let's say they don't make the playoffs. I do not expect Laviolette to lose his job in the summer, but I would say that at the beginning of next year, he would be in the hot yeah. seat. And if they either have a crap start or they don't do anything well, then we're looking at either being canned in the middle of the season, beginning of the season, or if again they don't do well, he's gone at this, in the summer.
2: Uh, I'm sorry. Um, and the last thing I want, I, I, I do one point is in the question he was to talk about. Can carry the puck in the zone, take a lot of perimeter shots. Uh, I I think that is an actually a, like a really good point, and I've talked about it before. Where you know you look at the shot maps, and the Predators are doing that most games. The ones where they're more successful, they get into the slot, uh, and I do think that's a big issue. And I and you know all the uh, like the expected goal charts, things like that, to go up on Twitter, who show the Predators expected to score tons and tons of goals. Well. I mean they, they, that takes shotcoin into account but I wonder if watching this if if maybe that, that there's a flaw in the model because the predator is still way way up there despite the fact that they they're just clearly they keep missing targets missing targets missing targets dropping further further into the the PDO measurement they're using the luck measurement uh and you know it, it that I think is is a huge issue is the inflated numbers because the expectations that stat people stats people have Lining up, and that was why on Twitter a few days ago I threw out the whole thing that there's a big difference between statistics and charts and analysis, and people are getting a little frustrated with all the charts and the stats with no analysis attached to
0: them. And I think one of the things is too is that the uh, like I, said, I, I would say that all of us in here are pretty uh, a plus, and you know, uh, uh, what's the word that I'm looking for? Affirmative on us. Uh, stats and what, like they, what they offer. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but at the same time, they're not the end of the story. They're not put there and be like, oh, okay, so Nashville leads in expected goals, so they should be scoring a lot more. You have to use that to fill in the blanks and come to your own conclusions and help you figure out, well, why, if they're at the expected goals, are they not here? You have to use them as a heart of the story and
2: plus i think on the expected goal scene that the, the regression coefficient was like uh like a 0.59 which is i mean there's a correlation there but it's not super strong there's about what 40 and i'm using this and please don't hold me to this as far as terminology because i'm not trying to think it through that clearly uh i mean that leaves you you know 40 points to
1: miss uh last one from the comment section And it's actually from Bryant. Uh, How does the trade of Seth Jones for Ryan Johansson affect the contract negotiations with Philip Forsberg this summer? This is all concerning how much money the Preds are going to have to give Johansson in the summer of 2017. So my one quick thought with this is that you have now the most valuable position on the ice with Ryan Johansson. If anything, this brings Forsberg's contract maybe a little bit further down it depends on how well they mesh and how many goals
2: Forsberg puts up with with Johansson because Forsberg's season has been okay eh, eh. unexciting he's had moments but it hasn't been last year
0: yeah i think that like if i were to guess right now i'd be thinking that they may want to go bridge deal Oh, right they're now, going deal Because, yeah. I mean, with, with the season that the, that he had last year, it was like, you need to lock this guy up now. And then the season that he's having here, again, he's not having a bad season. And I think a lot of that was because he's on the wings of Mike Fisher and Mike Ribeiro. So I think that if he does really well, and then you give him about another year or two, because either way, at the end of those deals, he's going to be RFA again. Um, and just sign him that and see where he goes from there.
2: I, I think the question ends up being, with with Poyle showing and we talked about this a little bit showing a little bit of aggression and a little bit in going out there to make something happen if it makes the environment more attractive to a guy like Jimmy Vesey who may have a media impact mm-hmm.
1: last year Philip Forsberg 63 points in 82 games this year 27 points 42 games so far a little bit off the pace from last year not terribly like not a terrible just rocketing back to earth season but he's not shooting the he doesn't have the shooting percentage he had last year last year he shot at 11 this year he's shooting at 9 which yeah which is which tells me that he's not taking enough shots
2: I, because my expectation for Forsberg was that he advances in points. Not yeah. he doesn't have to go from 60 something to 80 something but he needs to take a step forward. Take a, a st- not hitting that mark isn't missing expectations it's falling short of well short I don't think he has enough
1: space in the ice to be able to do what he did last year. I think I think, what, that, I think that's a valid I think last year with him him on the line with Neal you had so much space in the ice because Ribeiro was was much more dangerous last year. Uh, Jim, uh, James Neal when he was healthy was very good with him and you had five players he well, had four players on the ice that were shooting the puck very well with Weber Yossi, Neal and Forsberg and Mike Ribeiro was on the top of his game for most of the year last year
0: and, and this reminds me a lot too uh, Nathan McKinnon is pretty much followed the exact same thing So his, uh, I brought his numbers up so 82 games his rookie season 63 points Pretty much exactly the, exactly same. the same. Next year, uh, 64 games, so he's out for a little bit, but only 38 points. He had a down year. His uh, shooting percentage was a little bit below where he's at. And now this year, 42 games, 35 points. So he's basically uh, almost equaled his total in almost 20 less games. So kind of the same idea. I, I, I don't know why that would be. I haven't looked into like and watched in a film or looked at the stats to see why. But it's not like if he has a down year, then that's like that's it. He's a bust. He, he, he looks good out there. He's there's not just Brad a, Boyce. Yeah, there's just a lot of things that with his team that <laughs> aren't going so
1: well. No. All right, we're going to go ahead and take a break. Uh, well, coming back, we're going to put it into your uh, Twitter questions. I'll also gonna break down some of what's going on with the Predators penalty kill. we got five tough questions to do on top of that. So a loaded second segment. Hope you guys are ready. This a broadcast presented by OnTheForeCheck.com and Lion's Own Internet Marketing Solutions.
3: These days, you need to partner current and latest website design standards. One that also provides quality support services like hosting, email, e-commerce, CMS, and more. And you need a partner experienced in online branding and marketing, like social media, search engine marketing, rich media, and email marketing. You need a partner that knows how to market your company in today's age of advertising. You need Lionzone. Their professional staff and partners have the know-how, creativity, and experience to help you reach your marketing goals. Contact them today for a free consultation at 615-353-0402. That number again is 615-353-0402. Or you can reach them on their website at www.lionzone.com. Lionzone, Nashville's leading internet marketing agency since 1999.
1: Welcome back in. We're not going to waste any time. Twitter questions. Got an avalanche. No pun intended of them. So let's dive in. Shane Camby 1506 writes in, when do you think we will see the Ryan Johansson line fully clicking? And how long does it take to build that line chemistry, et cetera?
2: They're going to hit February like like a hurricane. I I, I like to give them a lot of time and not to mention, but beyond that, you have to get stability throughout the lineup and they have to figure out the third pairings as well. Uh, that way you can roll the lines more confidently when you know what you're going to get from them.
0: Yeah, and I think we've seen some instant chemistry with that line. It's just a matter of letting it gel and letting it get there for a little bit. So I'd say, and this kind of goes back to uh, my point just a couple minutes ago, is just give it a, a few games to see how it goes.
1: Uh, Diane C. writes in, Why can't this team score goals, and what's wrong with Pekka?
2: Uh, they, they can't score goals because they're still trying to draw offense to the point that hasn't changed. Um, there's there's a still a surprising degree of bad luck. Uh, there's so many shots that they've taken right in front of the net that are just hitting the goaltender, that are getting blocked at the last minute, are going wide or wobbling. You know, and there's things they can do to fix that. Uh, you know, they can really try to try to play stronger in front of the net. That's something we've talked about a lot, but.
0: It's kind of like that Colin Wilson goal, uh, sorry, uh, shot uh, in the first period against the Jets. Was, I think it was on the power play. Like they had this awesome passing sequence, yeah. And Wilson was standing right on the crease and had a wide open net, and Deming or not Deming, uh, Hellebuck got his pad on it. It's like that, that should have been a goal.
2: Yeah, and that's kind of been the story of the season for the Predators offense. It's, it's really frustrating, um, and I think, that, like I said, there's things they can do to address it creativity wise, but it is, what it
1: is Let's See here. I'm surprised that one actually was pretty quick on that one. Uh, Andrew Varenkamp writes in, Was Seth that crucial on defense, and is Pecorine done? Done, as in he should never play again? Um, Uh, I'd say we've seen Apex Pecorine, and now it's the slow descent into obscure goalie journeyman. I'm not ready to say we've seen Apex Pecorine. I mean,
2: is he going to get better, or is he going to be just declining? I don't know. It's hard to say when it's just one season. We've seen plenty of times goaltenders have a bad season, then get really then then get back to normal. I mean, I think Steve Mason's a good example of that.
0: Well, he also hasn't been great since about after the All Star game last year. So I mean, that's we're coming yeah. up on almost a full year of some not great yeah. play from him.
2: Now, is if the question is, uh, will Pekka's play equal the value of his contract? No, no. absolutely, one hundred percent, not. That was a, that was a bad contract. That will always be a bad contract. Um, Only two years left, though.
0: <sighs> At seven point five million. Yeah. Uh, but to answer the second question, I don't know if I would say that uh, Seth was like hugely important, like a you know big part of the team. But when you take off a talent like him and replace him with Anthony Potato, you are going to feel that, and that's one of the things that. Uh, was my thought too? Because like looking on Facebook and Twitter and uh, even some of the places in our comment section, I mean, people were like, "Awesome, yeah, Seth Jones sucked." He, you know, had too many turnovers and you know, bobbled the puck all the time. It's like, well, okay, well then, have fun with Anthony Botello. Yeah, so like that—that's
2: that, the difference. Is that? I mean, Seth Jones was never really a massive problem. Granted, like a lot of the other players on the team, to be honest, he would have bad plays that would lead to goals, lead to shots, uh, but. I, it, he and potato are in different
1: stratospheres as far as talent levels right now. Yeah. I felt a lot better actually after watching Gramberg play against Arizona. I like Granberg. Actually, showed me a few things. Well, um, Granberg. I mean, are you familiar with Granberg's scouting report? Not so much. Familiar. Mean, so, Typical so if... big Swedish, smooth skating defenseman. And that... Leafs fans did not want
0: to lose him. They were yeah. kind of they were kind of mad that he got waived. But when I
1: when I looked into him and did my research,
2: the one thing that I like that I really like seeing is that this one of his strongest assets is his positioning. He is never going to be an elite defenseman, but his positioning is fantastic. the The number one thing that I want a third pairing defenseman is. Positioning, and the second asset that makes him really great is I said his his first pass is fen- is phenomenal. So a stay at home large defenseman who has great positioning, his breakout pass is good. Done. Done. I'm sold. Good, if he can do that consistently,
1: stay at home Swedish defenseman.
2: Yeah, if he can do that consistently, then I think the Predators lost very
1: little in the long term. Richard Lawson, friend of the show, writes in: What other realistic moves uh, would you like to make to ensure this team makes the playoffs? If any, and bonus question, chances we sign VZ. We'll give a percentage uh, chance as far as VZ goes at this point. 50-50. I was going to do the same thing. I Who knows? You've got
2: a group of people saying, yeah, he's gone. you got a group of people saying, no, look how loyal he is.
1: Who knows? I, I'd say 75-25. Cause in favor of what? In favor he's going to sign here. Okay. Because uh, he's going to get signed on a two-year ELC given his age because he's already 22 years old. Hey, he can get he can get out one of those ELC years in Nashville very quickly, so he's closer to a bigger payday. He gets to jump in in a playoff race. And makes sense.
0: They're probably also going to load it up with as much signing bonuses and stuff as they can, right?
1: Probably so. I mean, you can you have a chance to add to your roster after the trade deadline, and a guy that you need to depend on for just a good big scoring winger. He does the things that Nashville needs someone to do. So I say so.
2: Um, yeah, and no, the sy- I mean the synergy between the player and the team is there, it's just you know it's you know if he if he wasn't at such a high quality, heavy, big reputation name school, you might be more hesitant. Yeah, like DeKaiser. What do, I remember, like the Michigan
1: went. school. Think about the Western
2: Michigan. Yeah, so I mean it's a fine school, I'm sure, but it's not Harvard. No. So he may be more inclined to not sign to to a team that he doesn't want to sign to. Well, let's face it, DeKaiser... Or he may be willing to leave, sorry. He's,
1: he's a Michigander. Who doesn't... Who from Michigan, you want to play for the Detroit Red Wings. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm pretty sure Vizi would love to play for the Boston Bruins at some point, too. But his dad doesn't work for the Bruins and neither does David Poyle. So, whatever. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. What was that the other question? What other realistic moves would you like to...
0: I think we answered that in the earlier yeah, segment. We really did. I, kind of like, I, I think my answer to that is,
2: is to, to those realistic moves require some house cleaning, and mm-hmm. the house cleaning needs to be done is, is difficult.
0: Yeah, and the, the biggest thing is, pending how Granberg plays, is just getting that 60, and that's yeah. not going to cost a whole lot.
1: Uh, the goalie situation, we're going to touch on that a little bit later on, too. This is a good one. Payton and Turnage writes in, is it more hipster and therefore more shameful to eat hot chicken or chicken and waffles? I don't find shame in really eating either of them. No. Because chicken and waffles is damn delicious. Well, can yeah, I combine I, them and eat hot chicken yes, and waffles? You can. You can have brunch at Hattie B's and have chicken and, hot chicken and waffles. Oh, do they do that too? Because yeah.
0: uh, 1016 does that. It's right down the street and it's, it's great.
2: Yeah, I don't. Uh, yeah, that's, that's a silly question. Um. <laughs>
1: My favorite chicken and waffles I mean, it's is, more uh, hipster to
2: eat a 210 Jack. I mean, that that's...
1: I mean, a barista chicken, parlor. Yeah, I mean... Butcher chi- Town it, Hall. Germantown Cafe. Yeah. I,
2: hot <laughs> chicken has been in Nashville for a very long time, and it's a local thing that locals eat. And chicken and waffles is making sort of a comeback. Um, I wasn't aware it went away. Well, there you go. We also have Dan, who is, is a dedicated,
0: proud Southerner. Damn. And speaking of hot chicken, I had Prince's last night and I've got some leftover in the fridge that I'm going to eat when I get home.
1: That's great because it's like 20 degrees outside. (laughs) Oh, I know. Man.
0: It's food meant for outdoors.
1: Lincoln <laughs> Vamos writes in, Do you see Cody Hodgson or another center being bought out or moved if VC comes? Oh, yeah. bought out. He's only for one year, right? Yeah. yeah. No, well, they're not, they're they're not going to buy him out. They're but he is know. an RFA. I can see him not being retained. Wait, Hodgson's an RFA? Yeah. yeah. All the websites, NHL numbers, General Fanager, like War on Ice, all say he's an RFA. God, I kid. don't understand it. I really don't. But he's an RFA. I, I think. He's I, like
2: everything we thought. think he is, isn't he? He's 25, I oh, think. Yeah, oh, so yes. Yeah. He's definitely an RFA. Yeah.
0: Um, no, so they're not going to buy him out. At, at most, they're going to waive him, and they can bury, I think uh, 950000 dollars of his salary in the minors. So he's only counting what, like fifty thousand dollars against the cap, which is pennies.
1: And frankly, there's other players I would move before
2: I move Cody Hodgson. Well, I admit you could probably, you know, trade Hodgson for a, for a small asset. I mean, he's actually a movable. Yeah, I think so.
1: I mean, the team who needs a third line player. Who, who can do something. If you're you know. up against the cap, like a Boston or a New yeah. York Rangers or the, or the Caps. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it, there's, well, yeah.
2: That, I mean, if you want a simple, basic move there, I mean, doing
1: something with Cody Hodgson. Cap's got uh, Mike yeah. Richards, so. I don't, I'm don't. No i so thing. happy for that guy. Yeah. We're going to talk a little bit about the NHL stuff, but I'm cool. really happy for that guy. Let's see. Cody Hodgson's going to have
2: a
0: great career in the Swiss League. <laughs> you know it. you going to hang out with Andrew Gordon.
1: <laughs> uh, Brett Garrett, rid- actually, no, Brandy Cornguth writes in, who do you see as our most viable, reliable option to replace Jones on defenseman? We talked a little bit about that. He also said what's going on with their special teams as of late. Kind of touched a bit on the PK. The power play, power play I'm not worried about at all.
0: There are ebbs and flows of the power play every season. I think they've gone uh, six or seven games without scoring a power play goal. So it's a little bit concerning, but at the same time, that happens regardless of how your power play is. I mean, they they've... They've probably slipped now, but they've been a top 10 unit for most of the season.
1: And that's going to get better.
2: The PK continues to just vex me because this is a team, and I was doing, I look at this for the show. They have their third worst in the league in goals against on the PK. They have the worst save percentage on the PK in the league. But at the same time, they don't give up a lot of shots, they don't give up high quality shots. Uh, I just think it's I find it very confusing we can explore but I find it
0: very very confusing for a number of reasons
1: Brett Garrett Meeks writes in what is your favorite 1980 through 1990 video game console and it's the regular NES man
0: yeah I was gonna say that doesn't give a whole lot
1: yeah, I mean, if we're going to go class, if we brought it up to, like, 1995 or so, I mean, the Super did a lot more things than the regular NES did.
0: Absolutely. Uh, unfortunately, I never had a Super Nintendo. I was a Sega Genesis kid. Oh, you want on Team Sega? Yeah, that was the
1: first, like... Not on,
0: on choice. I mean, I love Sega to death, and I always, always, always wanted a Super Nintendo.
1: That fourth, the the the, the red left and right buttons... It mm. made all the difference in the world.
2: I was—I mean, the—the the one that I recognized the most. I'm trying to remember exactly what year it came out, and was the just the original Game Boy. Uh,
1: that was the first console I had, I had, had any those. experience with. I'm like the like the big one that was actually almost yeah like, big, like brick. yeah I think
2: it came out like I think it came out like I think it came out '89. Like, so I think it still falls into that range. But I really I never had a Nintendo. I didn't have like a Famicom. I didn't have like anything like that. Atari. Um, I think we had like an old in television too somewhere. We didn't it didn't really work. But the, the original Game Boy, I just remember so well. In Tetris. Oh, people went blind. Dude,
0: Kirby's Dreamland. I spent oh, between yeah. Kirby's Dreamland and yeah, uh, Kirby's Pokemon Dream Red, Land. I spent so much time playing my Game I Boy. I even
1: had like the um like the magnifying thing that that folded over your oh, Game Boy nice. with the lights.
0: I had that for a Game Boy color and it the one that I had did not work very I didn't well. Have
2: a color. I did I went from uh I went from the original to the pocket. Mm-hmm. And then uh, there, I went into the the advanced, and then the the, the weird square clamshell. Yeah, I one. That's been
0: a because I had the original Game Boy, and then uh, after I moved from playing Pokemon on the regular Game Boy to color, awesome.
2: I have I have one little little story about Game Boys I can share. So, some of you may remember uh, this is probably I can't remember when the when the uh, the first DS came out, the original Game Boy DS. Um, I was in high school, so we're like, let's say sometime between like 2000, 2005, somewhere in that range. Right. Uh, that was this time when this big marketing scheme came out, where if you would get people to, you'd forward them links, and they would sign up for services for demos and things like that, and then that would give you points. And you could accrue these enough, If once enough people followed through, you could then get access to these free prizes. So it was basically this this pyramid scheme. But it was crazy <laughs> for about four or five months. like. Just absolutely nuts where people were doing all these sites and they were eventually outlawed um, and it took a ton of work. To And I actually managed to go through these sites, get enough people to do things, where I got a free Game Boy DS with Mario Kart, the DS version. Oh, wow. And that was a huge moment of pride for me because I managed to actually do something that you weren't actually meant to be able to do. Because I don't think they actually planned in shipping anything out. But I actually meet, met all the requirements. It's like Pepsi stuff whenever
1: they had the Harrier jet. <laughs> man, the 90s loved it some pyramid schemes. I miss I miss the days where you just twist a cow with soda just and be, be like, oh, free soda. Yeah. And now you have to go in, online and enter in a code. I'm not going to do that, man. And they, know that. they know that so well. Yeah. They're, I'm guilty of charge of that one. Uh, Jack Mack, one of our favorite guys, writes in. Woo! What are the chances that Johansson will sign with the Preds at the end of the RFA contract, assuming he's worth it? I'd say around 105%. That's about right. I, I think he'll really, because this is going to
2: be a place that's going to make him feel at home. He's gonna, they're going to build a line around him. They're going to give him the tools he needs.
0: Uh, and even just yeah. listening to him talk from his interviews and everything like that, he's like genuinely seems so happy and excited to be here.
1: He's going, to be, he's going to be playing meaningful hockey. He just got through playing a half a season of miserable hockey on a miserable team that's not going anywhere For with a miserable, miserable old man.
2: Yeah, the team's mm-hmm. been worse under Tortorella than they were under the previous coaches. Whoever it Todd is. Roberts. Todd Richards. Yeah, already forgotten it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> much like most, much like the first half, the first first half of the Blue Jackets season, totally forgettable.
1: Rachel Freeman writes in, what would the ideal fourth line would be? And she's someone I know that the message quite a bit on this is because she's on our she's on our team as far as the uh, Nystrom-Gostad versus Watson I, and Sissons. You, yeah, you got, you've got Watson. I think Sissons is too good
2: for the fourth line. But for um, now, but I'm okay. But for now, yeah. we could do that, absolutely. Um,
1: Salamaki, I've
2: still got a few question marks around Salamaki, to be honest. Yeah. He's not doing anything that, that I think is terribly interesting. Uh, but yeah, definitely Watson. You've got Sissons. I think those are some easy things. And then yeah, Bork Bork, will come When Bork's yeah. healthy, he's an obvious fourth If he line ever gets piece. healthy again, I guess yeah. he's been skating recently. But so there's that's... there's better pieces. The Predators have access to better pieces who can play those roles that are cheaper, faster. More talented.
1: And can actually do the things that uh, Gostad and Nystrom get credit for, maybe a little bit better. Because Colton Sistens is actually better in the faceoff circle than Paul Gostad this year. Oh, we, you know, the only thing we didn't mention is What's apparently Johansson's supposed to be great at faceoffs. Oh, he so. is. He's been Woo. a freaking dean since he got So here. great. Now they don't
2: have to rely on Gostad to take every single Yay. faceoff. and have him skate to the bench. No more Gostad on the power play.
1: Or what about, uh, I was kicking this around when I saw this question uh, creep in what about even a lesser role for Mike Fisher? I know they kind of depend on Mike Fisher for offense, not as much as they used to now with Joe Hanson in the fold, but if they did want to build a, if um, let's say Yarncrow gets hot offensively next year or sometime this year, maybe they roll back uh, Fisher to the fourth line. So it's only a fourth line in name, and you have a couple of just forechecking guys like a Watson and a uh, Salamaki or a Bork on the line with him. That's I'd be fine. absolutely yeah. fine with that. Yeah, that would just be a punishing defensive checking line. Because that
0: that also frees him up to play meaningful minutes on both the penalty kill and the power play, and then you save him from losing yeah, you, gas at the end of the season. You can run
2: him in a specialist mode, because um, the fourth line's already going to get more limited minutes, and then you can just put him more on special teams and let him focus on that yeah. area. So, I mean,
0: he's fine on the power play, I and mean, he... You know, yeah, that's all right on the penalty kill. Yeah.
2: Whatever preserves him for his last year and a half of his contract. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, let's see. We already answered, talked about coaching. Let's see here. Ah, here we go. Last one. Matthew Collier. Very good question here. Do you like the D? You like the fact that the D is playing? A l- or hold, let me decode this a little bit. I'm changing around the wording a little bit on this. Do you feel that the D is playing a little too aggressive? That's part one. Part two. And should we bring up? Soros to play two to four games.
2: Well, it's very difficult to bring up a goaltender when you've got a roster packed as the Predators unless someone's going on injury, the injury reserve list or someone's hurt. So. As much as I would like to see that, I don't think it's realistic, unfortunately.
0: No, it helps. having three goaltenders for a little bit, is when
2: never all, good. Yeah, especially when all three are healthy, yeah. that's not a recipe for success. Put I'm Carter
1: Hutton on a conditioning ascent, on a conditioning <laughs> assignment.
2: I don't, but they have to be coming back from an injury for that or
1: something. I don't think that they have. They've to done be. that I, need, I need to
0: look at the no, yeah, it, Victor Stahlberg, but he was technically injured. Like he came back, he played about a week, and then they right. But if out. you're
1: not playing your backup goaltender, sometimes I think the players have gotten away with that before. Hmm. Um, I think the trick to it is that if the, the uh, other team thinks that you're abusing that privilege uh the NHL will have an investigation into it and I think
0: the Capitals did that with uh, Justin Peters last year because he it belongs to the NHL anyways well exactly but he was playing uh I think less games than Huntin played last year and he was also playing worse uh so and Holtby started you know 23 24 games in a row so they sent him down there for a little bit and then brought him back up
1: Barry Trotz overplaying his goalie no Nah, not him. But what about happen. his question about uh, do you feel that the defense is playing a bit too aggressive? And I could see where he's coming with that. I think that part of the problem with the offense of this team is that, like you were saying earlier, they rely on that point shot. They rely on the defense to kind of carry the play, whereas now the top line doesn't have to have that anymore. The defense can relax and can play a bit more back. And I'd like to see the Ekholm and Ellis pairing uh, back together, or maybe Ekholm and Granberg, because Granberg's got a pretty decent cycle game, too just someone back there to watch their back so they can just dive bomb and and do what they need to do on offense.
0: I think if you have the Eckman-Ellis pairing with the uh Johansson line, the other team's not going to see the puck like ever. I think that that could be a very good like you have those five guys out on the ice a lot like together. Like instead of running, you know, three guys out and then running defense, you just have that is your unit out there and that could be really well, but yeah, I mean we can see that just because the predators' defensemen are asked to step up into the rush and asked to start the offense, and that does give them some chances. The other team some chances the other way.
2: No, there's not a lot I can add on to that. I think um, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I like that pairing setup. That I say pair, really that's a pairing between
1: the the offensive line, and
2: the defensive right. line. Right. Uh, so I, I'm quite fond of that approach. Mm-hmm.
1: Let's uh, go around the NHL real quick. Uh, the All Star Game lineups got um, got released. Big surprise, Arena making the All Star team over, a, say, a Corey Crawford. I don't want to spend a whole lot of time with this because it's the All Star yeah. game. Everyone's, again, we've said this a few times. If you're going to the All Star game, have a good time at Fanfare. Have a good time at the arena. Go to the skills competition. The skills competition's a blast. It is. The game itself sucks.
2: Uh, yeah. It should maybe be a little bit more interesting this year, but I mean, you know, the the Pekka thing is just so perplexing. I get that it's a hometown nod, but I mean, this is not just a nod. This is this is the NHL just bowing till their heads touch the floor. Yeah, I mean,
0: especially because if you're going to send someone else, like you get to send send Neil or something like that. And was, I
2: get that they didn't want to send so many, they like didn't want to have okay, they probably have two fans from now, they give them a forward and they just stack a ton of guys. Mm-hmm. You know, I think they they need to spread it out with the way it was set up. But I mean, it, when they when it's so easy to look down and there's there are backup goaltenders more deserving of going to the All Star game this season than Pekka.
0: Yeah, and I I honestly would have been fine um, with just Weber and Yossi because I legitimately thought that it was just going to be Weber going there yeah uh, but so with Weber and Yossi fine and then they throw Peck on there and it's like well I guess it's nice to have the home team represented but that's like <laughs> you know what I, I'm
1: not even mad about it because who's the captain of the central division this year yeah let's hmm. I mean who was the captain last two years Nick Foligno and then Eric Stahl they got their usually home... the hometown guys usually exactly captain. yeah that's... and then now we're gonna have to deal with uh captain scumbag So, I honestly hope that Predators fans kind of, I mean, pardon the phrase here, but show their ass a little bit on this. As far as I want Patrick Kane to be booed so loud that NBC has to adjust their volume.
2: I I really do. It'd be nice. No, it'd be nice. I mean, he deserves every inch of
1: that. Um, And the NHL deserves this, too. They really do. Yeah,
2: yeah, this has been, and it feels, I I hate harping on anything all star game related because it's so shallow. Yeah, yeah. But it's just. It's so poor representation of the product of the NHL. This is what they're featuring. They're going to put glitzy, you know, glitter and lights around it. Right. But the fun question, I don't know the answer. I don't know if anyone, I'm hoping one of you guys know. I've been thinking, has there ever, you know, when when was the last time that between the All-Star announcement and the actual game, has an All-Star been traded from one team to another? That's a good question. I would. I don't know the. I just thought of it during the show, in, so I in didn't. Recent
0: memory, I can't. And granted, there, over the last couple of years, there haven't been a whole lot of All Star games to think about. But I, I'm sure that it's I probably happened. Just
1: a big, like a fascinating, I don't thing,
0: know. Because all of a sudden, a team just has an All Star that wasn't there
2: before, right? Because I was thinking, well, what, what if Yo- Johansson was having his like a really his, a really if great he season? for the, he the he was year the he had last year, because yeah.
1: last year he was the MVP of the All Star game, right? Yeah. So yeah. if he
2: was the representative from Columbus and he gets traded after the announcement, all is all of a sudden he. This, does he go as a fourth predator or they actually change it? That was kind of what sparked the thought. Yeah. So if you know, tweet it at me. I'd love to, if yeah. you happen to know that fact, I'd love to find out.
0: And I was thinking about that too just because uh, when they were talking about a trade, I was like, hmm, they, they're they not going to trade Weber, but what if that happened? Yeah. Like Weber is the all-star thing, so does he become an all-star for the other team?
1: Yeah, I think it's just an interesting little concept. Um, real quick, let's talk about the Florida Panthers streak. Going for 12 games tonight. They've already won 11 in a row awesome no it's pretty fun i
2: mean yeah uh, as it always is with the panthers you just enjoy the ride and you don't you try not to look in the face of the numbers you don't don't look the numbers in the eyes and everything will be fine yeah
0: don't question it just Uh, it's because it's it's going to stop soon and it's probably going to look pretty ugly but the hope right now for me is that they've you know begged enough points to (laughs) to get them to where they need to be so maybe they don't crash down earth and again lose like seven in a row
1: they got a they got a five game uh they got a five point cushion over Detroit um they've got it same with Montreal Montreal's played uh, two more games uh their goals allowed for this year eighty eight
0: yeah they have a uh, differential of plus twenty six
1: they have allowed the fewest goals in the NHL this year the Florida Panthers. way to go Longo going to go that defense too man that defense does not suck in any way shape or form they're consistent they've won they're they're thirteen six and two at home twelve six and two on the road. Uh, what's not to, I love it. I it's fun. Um, I'd like to see Tampa get healthy and challenge for this division. I, um, not sure what, the, I mean, that's going to be a loaded division with, uh, Detroit, Montreal and Boston and Tampa all kind of hovering around where they are.
0: Yeah. And then even in the wild card, I'm looking down here. Uh, New Jersey is, uh, in the like fifth wild card spot. Technically, uh, like if you're going, you know, one and two are the wild cards, and then three, four, five. Um, they're they're only one point away from Tampa.
1: One other thing that's made news, uh the Lightning have yet to trade Jonathan Drouin, which they don't have to trade Jonathan Drouin, But everyone's interested in trading for Jonathan Drouin, including the Canadians, the Predators, the Blues, the Wild. Every twenty nine NHL teams. Yeah, about I mean there's about about a dozen uh, sets of scouts in Syracuse for one of his games. the Syracuse Crunch playing their third game in three nights uh tonight. Uh so he knows he's been, he knows he's kind of in show-off mode right now. He's playing some really good hockey up there. I don't see this move making sense for Nashville, but um, now that they have their center, now they have center depth in the organization. Let's say if you were to upgrade maybe a Kevin Fiala, is he that big of an, is Durant that big of an upgrade over Fiala? Because Fiala it's kind of got a little more of a dangerous element to him, whereas Durant's more of a playmaker.
2: I, I mean, if if you could put together a package of picks and prospects for Drew and you do it, I mean that, that that's that's the what makes this whole conversation so ridiculous mm-hmm. is that with as much as it seems like Eiserman is crushing his value, uh, it just feels like maybe um I mean Iserman wants him to play is trying some weird sort of tough love man management. It's I I don't think he's handling it the right way. I think Isman's handling it very poorly, uh. But I just don't see an inclination of them wanting to trade him. It's it's too early to want to trade him, especially because yeah. he went down to the AHL and just lit it up. and I
0: think that's also an uh, indictment of uh, John Cooper too, just because he, I mean he's the one that's putting him on the fourth line or scratching him things like that, which is weird considering uh, all the other younger talent that he's been doing great things with.
2: I, I, maybe that goes back to that old like that that old school hockey mentality. Maybe Druin's hockey mentality isn't old school enough for for Cooper and Eiserman.
1: Either that or maybe he's got a lot of these young kids, which are, I mean, it's kind of odd to say it, but the bunch of Russians that they have there with Nemesnikov, Kucherov, um, uh, Andre Palat, which is Czech, but they have a lot of guys that are Eastern Euros that are doing exactly what the coach asked them to do. Uh, Nemesnikov centered the Stamp Coast line the other night. That's a big deal. Vladimir Nemesnikov has only been in the United States, I think, for, what, two or three years? That's a huge yeah, deal. I,
2: mean, I think the most interesting thing going on in Tampa right now is the fact that, you have strong rumors of Stamkos having issues with the franchise. And then you have not even strong rumors, but direct indications that Druin has issues with the way that the franchise is doing things.
0: And that even goes back to the Marty St. Louis thing. He Marty St. Louis had, he had issues with the way that thing,
2: the, the things were happening. So you have your elite talents who have serious issues with how things are going. And, you know, you wonder if—I mean, those are the guys who are less concerned about the day-to-day paycheck— and so they have the freedom to be a little bit more more vocal. And in instances where there's problems, they they need to be. I mean, a, an example I can throw back to, um, there's an ongoing lawsuit with the Philadelphia Union and um, Peter Nowak, Novak, their their first coach. Um, and the things written in there are very, very, like there's some really weird stuff in there. We're talking like spanking, hazing rituals and I stuff. I saw that. It's, it's really extreme stuff. And and the one example is the original high-profile guy, uh, Danny Califf, uh, decided he was going to go to the players' union and and say this has to stop. He makes it clear he's going to do that. He gets traded. Now, of course, the union and Novak say it has nothing to do with that, but the plaintiffs say, that, you know, there, there is indication that there is. You know, that's the kind of thing that strikes me is when you have a play like those players who have that bit of agency, they have to do something. And granted, it can it can bite you. I, I think St. Louis got bit a bit. Um, I think. You know, Danny Cale, for my example, He he got there's a very good chance he got traded out of the city because of it. And he actually, once he's retired, he moved back to Philadelphia. Hmm. <laughs> At least the time. He spent, he splits his time, but he's, he spends a lot of time in Philly doing doing things, including coaching Bear Fight FC. Nice. Bear Fight? Bear Fight,
1: is Bear fight a, FC. Is that a town around there or a neighborhood? No, it's just, I don't know where the name came from. It's just it's Bear Fight FC. I like it. Speaking of Philly, uh, Flyers shed two contracts with Luke Shin and Vincent Lecavalier going to L.A. in a typical Dean Lombardi move where Vinny Lecavalier has agreed to retire at the end of this year.
0: I feel like the P.A. should take issue with that. Like, we're only going to trade you if you leave money on the table and do not play again. But
2: that deal, as a Flyers fan, that deal was so good. It was so good. I Hextal was love- our savior and hero.
0: I love... And this is sarcasm. How the Flyers could just sign all these ridiculous bad contracts and then somehow get out of them That's and Hex- with no consequences whatsoever. Hextall
2: is a is is a wizard. I mean, he comes in after Holmgren gets finally gets chased out, and he just starts doing stuff,
1: and it's great. This seems like kind of a back, kind of a backdoor, a backdoor uh, buddy deal between uh, Hextall and his mentor Dean Lombardi. Which I'm thumbs okay. up. i hey, okay if,
2: if, if Lombardi wants to take on a couple. Crappy contracts for players who aren't very good. I mean, I, I mean, I'm sure everybody saw the um, the intangibles uh, screenshots from the Kings game where mm-hmm. uh, one was like, not, like expe- no expectations for Luke Shen, um, and then I'm trying to remember what the other one was, uh, the one for for the Cavier. But it was equally as embarrassing, and it's just like that just shows you the issue. And the Flyers don't care about retained salary. Retained salary is... Because it's going to drop off the books at the end of the season. And they don't care about all the stuff that's buried. They, there's very little attainment against the cap. That's what the Flyers care about. They care about the cap. They don't care about the rest of it because they've got Comcast-type money. Right.
1: Yeah, evil. I think the, that are yeah, the, the move actually does make sense for LA because they have, like big-body players. They have their puck movers, and they just need some big bodies to go around them. That's why, that's why right. they went out and got Milan Lucic. He's been terrible. Uh, Lucic hasn't been... Bad. He has been great for them. I
0: haven't watched the Kings enough this year, other than like a couple of periods here and
2: there. I know
1: Dan loves his Kings. Yeah, yeah. It's an even number year too. Jokes on you, man. Kings winning it all. Yeah, Kings are winning it all this year. We got Milan Lucci to eleven goals, thirteen assists, twenty-four points. So you know, on a pace for like a, what a uh, like forty-five, fifty-point year.
2: Not bad. If he can keeps it, if he keeps it up, I'm not too sure.
1: Yeah. Okay. I'm not sold on that. All right. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, let's have a look here. Uh, Mike Richards now the newest Washington Capitol. <laughs> we go from a flyer story to a cap story. You see how this works so after after covering a Florida story. So um, I'm a big fan of this move. I think it makes a lot of sense. I think it's a Barry, it has Barry Trotz written all over it. You're getting an elite penalty killer, a comeback story.
0: Yeah, and I mean because it's Mike Richards, my initial thought of it from watching the past couple years is just like, oh my God, he's a Capital now. Uh, and I was a little wary uh, as far as, like, you know, his personal issues and everything like that. But hearing uh Brian McClellan talk about that they've been monitoring him since the summer, hearing uh, that he and Barry Trotz met with them when they were in Toronto, um, and hearing that they spoke to Justin Williams about it, and Justin Williams, you know, gave them, like, you know, this is going to be fine. Like, he is a guy that you want. This is, you know, he's... uh personal issues aside um he's working to get better and then he told mike richards you would be an idiot not to sign with the washington capitals if they offer you a deal uh-huh. i mean he comes in to be fourth line center which is something that they've been lacking because you know bro- they've been having people going like brooks like matt michael latta zach sill like a bunch of people who um might be serviceable nhl players that books out on like right now uh but that depth down the middle, because they've got Nicholas Backstrom and Evgeny Kuznetsov doing one two switching back and forth. Uh, when they're healthy, they've got Jay Beagle doing a three C role, and Marcus Johansson has been in there doing that. And then they've got Mike Richards number four down. The, I mean, that is a Cup that's, contending center depth. If right se- there, if
2: center depth makes Stanley Cup champions, then the, the Washington Capitals are getting
0: their engraver ready, and mean, that's that's sort of the feel. And uh, oh, I was just going to say one. Careful, because uh, you got me over here. That you never know how that they're going to s- snatch. I am trying
2: to jinx you. Uh, so. Yeah,
0: uh, defeat from the jaws of victory. But if it doesn't work out, then they're only on, you know, five hundred thousand dollars against the cap, and they can bury most of that, and it's pennies. I
2: mean, that's the beautiful thing uh, about about this one. You have a, a redemption of a player trying to trying to finish out his career with pride, but he also uh, Mike Richards gets something extra. He gets to reset the expectations. He doesn't have the stupid Philadelphia contract haunting him. Uh, you know, and and the further we get away from one, there's going to be a happy time in the league when there's no stupid Philadelphia contracts left. And Joe Weber. So well, eventually he will <laughs> retire. One day he will retire, and the Predators will get hit with cap or capture, and that'll be fantastic. Um, But one, I mean, this is one more bad Flyers contract that they can get, you know, taken care of. And, and it's good for Mike Richards. It's good for the Capitals. I think, you know, I, there's there is that acknowledged issue with substance abuse throughout the league. And so, uh, you know, having these things be public is really hard for the players and I'm sure it's hard for, for other, you know, their families, things like that, but helping them actively, helping them to deal with these issues, getting them back into the league and supporting them in healthy ways is really important for them, for their families and for the league as a whole. Uh, and I, and I love seeing that happen. And, you know, we've seen it with, with, you know, Jordan Tutu, I think is a great example Brian Magratt and uh, another one. Brian McGratt. yeah. There's there's a history of players getting help and and returning to league and contributing, and that's what I really love to see more than anything else.
1: Honestly, I, want, I mean, I'm I like this deal so much. I actually want. I'm kind of jealous that uh, Washington's getting him and not Nashville. Hey, I, hey. I mean that. I mean, I, I'm. Yeah. Well, we'll see.
0: Gas that beats another forward. We'll, we'll see how it goes. Um, I I haven't checked the lineups. I I'm guessing that he's not playing right now. Uh, but they said that they're he's going to practice with the team. They don't have a timetable on him, which is, is fine since they're uh, uh, they're missing Jay Beagle. They're missing Marcus Johansson for the last game tonight. Uh, so we'll we'll see how it goes. If he can even be like a—they've got 40 games left. If he can be just like a 15-point player, 15, 20-point player, or just do his job correctly. If
1: he just p- kills penalties and done. keeps Nicholas Backstrom from having to go out there and kill penalties— it's a win.
0: Well, Nicholas Backstrom's a great penalty killer. Yeah, so. but if
1: you're not, if you're not having to expend him all the time mm-hmm. out there, I mean, Washington does have the center up to be able to do that now more. With, right. With guys like Beagle, but that's a really good signing. This has been a, a cavalcade of, of hockey knowledge so far and a lot of fun. I'm a little, I'm a little fatigued. Good. And then you'll be tested. We, we've, we've done through like the whole high altitude training for this. And now we're ready for five tough questions. Before we do that, um before we do that, um I mean I don't think you guys really care about the Emerson Edom trade or did we miss anything oh, yeah, else? Yeah, he really? got traded, I forgot that happened. Yeah, so the guy that was the centerpiece of the um
0: Carl Haglin trade. Carl
1: Haglin trade is now shipped off for <gasps> Nicholas Jensen and a draft pick. A six round pick in twenty seventeen. Thanks for playing.
0: God I love how bad New York is with their asset management.
1: Yeah. It's fantastic. Uh, speaking of asset management, Jim Neal, uh, star Center manager, extended through twenty twenty three. Good, I mean he's came in and kind of changed the game as far as the central is concerned. Well, he's
2: gonna. I, it's always interesting with contract extensions like this because it's going to be really hard for him to continue to do the magic that he's done. Granted, I use the, the I do use the qualifying word magic because it's it's been astounding. So maybe he can keep doing it because he's Jim Neal and he just does these things, but. Uh, It'll be interesting to see how that team evolves over over the course of his uh, his remaining tenure.
0: Yeah, because they, I mean, they've got a draft. I don't know what their cover looks like as far as their prospects go. They're going. pretty deep. Are one they?
1: thing that Joe Neuendijk did do is that he did draft very well.
0: Yeah, see if J- Jim Neal can keep it up.
1: So they do have a lot of uh, European defensemen coming up, guys like uh, Paca, uh, yeah, Yoki Paka, Julius Honka. Yeah, Yoki a good one, and Honka's a good one too. Uh, but they have Ben and Sagan uh, signed for... The next two years at a combined like eleven million dollars. Uh, Those guys, yeah. Well, when they come up for contract, it's gonna be combined twenty two million dollars or more. Yeah, Ben is a UFA at the end of twenty seventeen. Uh, as is Patrick Sharp. Uh, so they do have uh, most all of their big name forwards are all going to be unrestricted free agents at the end of their deals. Now,
2: Sharp is probably going to be retiring ish. maybe. thirty four
1: now. He'll probably go for a, uh, a one, one year, or two year like deal. a one or two year deal. Uh, Jason Spezza is 32, and he signed until the end of the 2019 season. <laughs> Jason Spezza is the highest-paid player on the team. That's so, fortunate. Yeah, they
2: have a, that team. If you want to talk about windows, that team has a window for this. It's for this four. Lineup. It's four years.
1: You got Sagan, who's on a unrestricted. he's his contract ends at the end of 2019 for 5.75 million. So Nil's going to get a chance to try to win now, and he's going to get a chance to re, to kind of tinker slash rebuild it. Because they have a lot of unrestricted free agents coming up this year. Uh, Goldogoski's a UFA at the end of this year. Jason Demers, UFA. Goldgowski's already 30. Wow. Uh, they do ha- they're, they are spending over $10 million of finished goaltending for the next three years. So actually two years after this one. That makes it a little bit clearer. Jordy Benn, UFA at the end of this year as well. So glad they got the Klingberg uh, contract in when they did. Yeah, no kidding. So good on Jim Nell, though. He's really made that. That must a destination. they only got two million dollars worth of cap space, but we'll see where that goes. All right, five tough questions. This mostly uh, focuses on the local hockey team here. Number one, what kind of numbers will Johansson have to put up in order for Nashville to quote win the trade in your mind? Wait, over the course of his like career with Nashville? Uh, just you know, like let's say you know like an average for this year. Like, say if he averages to be like a twenty goal, thirty assist player. Uh, in the top line role is that good enough for you or do you want you expect yeah, more he has
2: he has to be a 60 point player season every, minimum every season
0: yeah i was going to say 50 60 but i would like 30, that 30 yeah.
2: goals and he should, i mean he should really be a 70 80 point guy yeah and i think that actually that's too ambitious i think i need to dial that back a little I'll bit as say 60 67 yeah. 60 70, 60, 70. 60, 60 is
0: about on point I with like, where well, i was thinking modern nhl and
2: the fact that what it was like 89 points or something last year to to how many points was it for the... Oh, for, for the 88, I think. 88, yeah. So I have to dial that back for modern NHL terms.
0: Right. Um, I think that if they get to a... You know, in the next couple of years, get to like a Stanley Cup final or win the Cup, I mean, who cares what Seth Jones goes on to do? Like that... If, if he helps them do that, done. Um, and there's no winning... I, don't, I Sorry, but there's no winning... There, no
2: one, No one loses this trade unless someone bombs. Yeah. If both players meet expectations... Both teams win. If both, you know, fall a little short. But this is a mutually beneficial move. It's Mm -hmm. teams with areas of weakness that swapped strengths. And that's just, there's not a, people like to declare winning with these trades. Both teams, that they need to do, they did it cleanly. It's great.
0: Yeah, I I agree with that.
1: Johansson's uh, number two. With Johansson in the fold, he's 23 years of age. Has Nashville's window to win a cup grown, shrank, or stayed the same?
2: I think it's I think it's extended. It because, has extended, yeah, because they're going to start rolling off some of the bad contracts over the next couple seasons, and that's just going to help.
0: Yeah, and you mentioned this uh, uh, earlier in the show where Johansson's only 23; he's probably you know got room to improve and can possibly get better. Um, and if the first two games are any indication, I mean, we're in for a treat for watching him. So if they can you know pull up to people like VC or Kamenev or something like that, I mean, right now. Uh, in the next year or two, national center depth actually looks pretty good because you have Johansson up there and then you might have like Kamnev, Sissons, uh, Max Gortz, uh, Novak, like all these people. Gortz, Weng, Yonkroak. Oh, yeah, Yonkrok, Uh You have all these people that could come up and potentially flesh out into good players because that was the thing that we've been worried about is we don't think that Kamenev is going to be a 1C. We don't think that uh, Trennan's going to be a 1C, but like, you know, middle, middle six guys could be great.
1: on that, especially when you look at how young this roster is, James Neal's 28, and he's like the oldest, like, performing forward, if you exclude the Fisher and, uh, and yeah. Romero. Uh, Smith, 26. Johansson, 23. Wilson, 26. Uh... Philip Forsberg's only 21. Mika Salamaki's 22. Yarncroke's 24. Arvidsson 22. Watson 23. It's a young team. Yeah. I, I think. I think the other there are
2: questions. I think around uh, as Weber gets older, how you handle him in the lineup as his skill set kind of has to adapt to his physica, physical capabilities. because uh, there may be some some work that needs to be done there. Uh, and then I think you you have some big question marks around goaltending. I think that's the that's where it's going to be uh, a break. It, mm-hmm. you, you look at Soros playing at such a high level, uh, very confidently in, in the AHL. He had a rough first NHL game, but I don't think you can't really pin that on him. Um, no, I that, think he played very well in his
0: NHL de- debut. It was mostly penalty kill goals that he allowed, he, it, right?
2: Yeah. Sounds familiar. So, you know, I, I think that the Predators may have their next guy um, in Soros. He he seems to be the real deal. Yeah. Uh, so we'll just have to we we'll have to be patient uh, with that, but you know I do wonder about Pekka being able to take the team to a, to a Stanley Cup final.
1: Yeah, Saros is only twenty years of age too.
2: Yeah, and they waited so long to put Pekka up. I think that was a mistake. They waited so long to bring Pekka up into the NHL,
1: and that's just that was how they build goaltenders. They just waited yeah. forever. Mm-hmm. Fiala and Kamenev are both nineteen. There's some good days ahead. Yeah, and now they actually have roster spots for him too. Number three, what should David Poyle's next order of business be?
0: Draft defenseman.
1: Their defenseman prospects are pretty thin, yes. Uh,
0: And, yeah, it sounds kind of, you know, redundant to say because of Nashville, but, I mean, if you... I mean, Anthony Potato's on the roster. That gives you an idea of what their cupboard looks like as far as that goes. I think
2: think the Potato thing is more uh, uh, how contracts fell than anything else. Mm -hmm. I think it's a matter of how contracts fell. Uh I mean that's that's a that's a tough question, obviously. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Just because it's hard to know the answer to that until you see how this season plays out. Uh, you know, I, again, we have I, I think solving the goaltending problem, uh, whether it be bringing in a legitimate backup, uh, promoting promoting someone in the system, and having them split more time with Rene in the following season. I think that's something they have to figure out. Uh, you know, if if Weber needs to take a step back in the next couple seasons, like maybe two years, you know, two years from now, uh, you know, who steps up and fills that role? I mean, you may have some different guys and you're going to have some different players in, in this in the sixth defenseman at that point. But, you know, who plays with Yossi and how does that affect how you how you roll lines? So I think there's some more long term questions that Boyle has to answer short term there's not a ton he can do. But I think long-term, he's got some, some real planning.
0: Yeah, short-term, he did the deal he, that Yeah, he, he did to the do. short-term
1: thing. What about um, possibly moving off a piece maybe for uh, to shore up the backup goaltending position? Because Carter Hunt's an unrestricted free agent at the end of this year. You want to take your time with Saros if you can, if he's uh, not showing that he's quite NHL-ready yet. And I wouldn't rush the guy. Uh, Rene's got two years left on his deal. I mean, we're seeing what the Stars and what the Blues have done by platooning goaltenders not a bad play. I um, I mean you you can you know 1
2: hour before the uh the trade deadline closes hit or hits and, and just be like hey you're not going to make the playoffs have this fourth round draft pick
0: for your backup goaltender who who cares, right? That or if they're even worried about it this season, I mean there are uh some decent names UFA this year oh, that's the coming other, up yeah. for, uh, for goaltending. So, if I mean, Hutton really hasn't been playing horribly this year. Um, so I think that if they decide that they want to hold on to him through the playoffs and everything like that, because who knows it, if he's going to even sniff time in the playoffs. It,
2: it, 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 frankly, I mean, the Flyers have, I think it's the Flyers, have Al Montoya in the AHL. No, no, it's, no Al
1: Montoya is the backup goaltender for the Florida Panthers. Mm-hmm. Wait, who
2: does, I'm confusing somebody with something.
1: Yeah, just ignore me. Moving on. <laughs> I mean, here's the list of the unrestricted free agents for this coming it's, summer. It's pretty good. Cam Ward, Jonas Hiller, outside of that, it's pretty good. Uh, Kari yeah. Ramo, Nicholas Backstrom. Outside of them, it's even a little bit better. James Reimer, Ben Scrivens. Well, it's supposed to get better, right? Anton Houdou... No. <laughs> it's, it's it's not great, but... They're backup goaltenders. They're backup goaltenders. Jason LaBarbera. I mean, he, maybe he won't oh, go to the Oh, that's who I was thinking of.
2: That's, I was getting Montoya and LaBarbera confused. Exactly.
1: How dare? Montoya is also going to be a UFA. Yeah, no. Well, they're always they're they're backup yeah. goaltenders. they are almost do always you could a lot worse than getting Al Montoya to be a back I'm a. glad exactly.
2: you said the cuz that is exactly what I was getting him confused. With. And,
0: and that was one of the guys that was uh we talked about Thomas Grice when they signed oh, Hutton. Oh, we you and I both. Yeah, uh Montoya was available when uh when they signed Hutton too. Like that was a guy that I was like, look, he's not great, but He's gonna do what you want him to do. Look and what he's doing in Florida right now. I have a, I have a soft spot in my heart for backup goaltenders. I love a good backup goaltender. I mean,
2: you know Marty Buran in his last few days, some of my favorites.
1: Well, Toya <laughs> fits the Florida market too because he's uh, he's Cuban of Cuban descent. That's perfect.
0: He also looks like uh, Uncle Eddie from Grounded for Life.
1: Yeah, he kind of does. Uh, Auntie Ranta also out there as well. Oh,
0: Nashville's number one
2: fan. Yeah,
1: Nashville's number one supporter. He's uh, only 26 years of age too. And it's finished.
2: finished. So many options. And they're like, eh, Carter Hutton. Because apparently Carter Hutton is also Pekka's, like psychotherapist. So that would that, when, when, when Hutton said that, I'm just like, oh, this is the worst thing I've ever heard in my life. Like, I didn't realize that was part of his responsibility
1: was to make sure P.E.K.K.A. didn't go crazy. Just <laughs> make sure he shows up to meetings on time. That's about it. Uh, let's see here. Oh, this is this going to be a fun one? My Kindle screen doesn't go black here. There we go. Number four, now with a legit number one center on the team. Who finishes what Predators player finishes the year with the most points?
2: <laughs> I just want to say Roman Yossi, anyways. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a new day, Chris. <laughs> I don't know. I, I I haven't seen enough to have a beat on this.
1: Uh, I mean, it, <sighs> as of right they, now, uh, Roman Yossi with 31, Philip Forsberg with 27, Ribeiro with 26, Weber with 26.
0: Johansson came in with twenty six points and he scored two. Yeah. So, is he is he on the uh, Pred stats he's
2: list not on right the now? The
1: Pred stats list right now. Interesting. He
2: he should. Joh- Joh- Johansson. I keep yeah, wanting he's to say on Johansson. it, but yeah. they're
1: only yeah. counting the two games uh, for
2: Nashville. Gotcha. So if we're talking full season, I mean Johansson should. Yeah. He's got every ounce of talent to do that. If you're just counting his Predator numbers, which the website appears to be doing, then I think you still... Yeah, he's, he's not going to score 60 points yeah, in the last um,
0: 40 games. I,
2: I want to so deeply believe that Johansson, Johansson, I'm going to keep doing that forever and ever, is going to be this catalyst that somehow ignites Forsberg if Forsberg gets to play with him enough and just turns him into a scoring machine nightmare, and then it'd be Forsberg. Um, but but the brain in me says it's just going to be Yossi because that's the way the Predators roll.
1: I'm going to say James Neal just to be different.
2: You also love James Neal.
1: I do love James Neal, man. <laughs> Can't help it. I'm only human. John, any, any guesses?
0: I'm going to be boring and say Johansson.
1: Okay. And finally, number five. Would this organization even dare calling up Merrick Mazanitz or, or Yossi Saros to spell Pekka at some point? We talked about it earlier about the practicality of it. If Rene's. I don't think that. I've looked deeper into the numbers and I've convinced myself since I wrote this question. I don't think it's more on Rene, because his regular save percentage is getting back to respectability. He had a terrible November, but his even strength save percentage is actually decent. His all around save percentage is bad, because PK is bad. But if something were. Let's say if Rene does go through another funk like we did before earlier this year. Do you think that's a possibility for this team? Because Laviolette's done that before with Cam Ward, where he pulled up Cam Ward and. They went on a run. I mean, goaltending's weird. I don't claim that, to know was, everything an, that about was. I
2: think that was partially due to an injury to whoever their goaltender was at the time. I can't remember. It was, not but weeks. Cam Ward was like an injury step. Like Cam Ward came up because it was an injury, and then he just got fought, caught on
0: fire. It's uh, kind of like what happened with uh, Andrew Hammond last year. If I remember yeah, correctly.
2: I th- I think that's really more uh, the case because they they just didn't they just didn't be like that guy. We're gonna have to give him a shot.
0: Yeah, I'd be very surprised if they did that without an injury preceding it, because I mean, Pecorino just makes so much money, and he's you know one of the you know one of the backbones of the team. He's, he's an all star, Dan. Yeah,
2: he's an all star. You can't not play
1: your all stars. Answer to your trivia question. Martin Gerber was the guy that got hurt. Martin Gerber. Yeah, Gerber oh, got, got hurt, you. and then uh, they started playing Different Gerber. Uh, started playing him over weeks. So, Kevin Weeks.
2: Nice. He of the analyst suit. Mm-hmm.
1: Where's a really good suit? So you think that's not even on the table? I no. Wait, I, I, without
0: an injury, no. I
1: don't yeah, think there, so.
2: There's there's some big conditions around that, and that involves someone getting hurt, which we you know you never want to see someone get hurt. No. Even said Don't want to see. I don't
1: want to see him get hurt. No. Um. All right. Well, that was pretty much it for this week. Um. I'm interested in possibly seeing maybe a Mazzoni or a Soros get a look up here. Maybe if uh, they send Carter Hutton on one of those conditioning stints, with heavy quotations around it. Um, that said, uh, let's take a look at this week ahead. They got Chicago on Tuesday nights, and history tells us that they're gonna you're probably gonna see Apex Predators on Tuesday night against Chicago. Then they come back home, and uh, actually no, they go to Winnipeg to the Great Wide North to play them on Thursday, back here on Saturday to play the Wild. Uh, so we see the Blackhawks uh, twice in uh, two weeks. They're going to see them again the following Tuesday. They're going to get really comfortable playing the Jets because this is now their second uh, game against the Jets in a short amount of time as well. Um, easy for us to say they need all three games. Last week we said they, they should go 3-0. and Well, mm-hmm. they ended up going 0-3. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, that. how badly...
2: They they I don't know, they didn't even play badly as bad as last week when and they t- played bad in summer and whatever, uh, they just put so much pressure on this week because they've got a whole string of central division teams coming up that they have to to not lose ground to right and you know especially with the Jets they're fighting for spots with the Jets they have to catch up to the Wild so there's a lot of games that they really really need to win if they want to remain in, in the playoff cont- playoff spot because. Uh you know actually sorry they're not fighting with you the just fighting with uh, Colorado um but the but the jets should be the team that they beat and they
0: <sighs> well i mean they're also behind uh the wild too i mean yeah well the yeah, wild well, the, yeah they need to chase the wild so Spot. they need to
2: compete with Colorado and mm-hmm. being the jets is is one way to do that uh and that's going to be down to discipline it's going to be entirely down to discipline because if if they can't win anything in the pk then the best thing to do is not to get in the pk and they've been doing that a
1: lot lately Understood on that. So, what are we prediction wise? When we're thinking, like one, one and one, two and one, one and two. I think they win one of them at least.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna say two and one. Um, You can split it however you want. I'm not gonna specifically say which game that they need. I mean, obviously they need to go three and zero, start themselves a winning streak because I still don't think that they've had a three game winning streak since the beginning of the season, Um, and they need to start doing that. I I mean, at this point. they just need to keep themselves in the conversation so that they can win some games to be in at least that last wild card spot by the end of the end of the season.
1: February is looking good. So as long as they make it, as long as they don't park it in the ditch in January, I'm okay. Because January was February. You have one, two, three, four home games to start off with. Then you make a trip to Florida. Three more home games, and then a kind of a ring around the original six before you come back here for a nice under their home stand if it goes into March. So as long as they don't park it in the ditch in January, I'm good.
2: Well, if you're worried about them parking in the ditch, they're currently pointing their metaphorical car at the ditch and getting ready to put a brick on the under the under the gas pedal. Yes, that has happened. Uh, no
1: one's yeah. saying that hasn't happened.
2: <laughs> <laughs> they just need to somehow avoid it now. They need to yeah. like dukes of hazard jump over the ditch somehow. Well, it's
0: like that uh that Simpson where Homer's driving it into the, the ravine and he jumps out of the car and starts rolling and a rock comes and puts him right back into the car. <laughs> That, people, is, people, that is this team. People know what I'm talking about. <laughs> the listeners are like, "Yes, I know exactly what I'm talking about."
2: Yeah, I I I want to say cuz I have optimism left in my heart and soul that they're going to go 2 and 1 this week. I just want to believe that that to
0: be the case. Maybe we should go opposite and say that they're going to lose all three games so that they can go on a three-game winning streak. It worked What do you last think week. we
1: are, the St. Louis Blues in the Stanley Cup finals? I don't know. Oof. Um one last uh, question for you guys before we get off the air tonight. What is your favorite uh, Seth Jones memory while he was here? Like favorite play he made, like the game winner against Montreal or the... That
0: was at the the tip of my mind, but I'm trying to make sure that there's something else.
1: For a guy that was as beloved as he was, he didn't have a whole lot of memorable moments on the ice because of the role he played, um, which is kind of ironic because yeah, I can point out like... Certain goals, Matthias Ekholm or Ryan Ellis have made, but Jones wasn't the most eventful player.
2: He had some, he had a couple of nice deaky breakaways.
0: I re, yeah, I remember there was this one against the Bruins, his rookie year, where he danced around the entire uh, Bruins lineup in their offensive zone, and I, I forget if he like got tripped and missed the shot or if uh Tukarask made a save on it. But it was one of those things. It's like if that had. Gone a couple more inches and went in the net. You would be seeing that on Sports Center for the next like three weeks.
1: How about the two and zero breakaway that he and Ellis had against Ottawa? Oh yeah, <laughs> that was really good. That was up there. Uh, I think he scored against the Caps last year, and that was pretty cool. Not as cool as Ekholm's goal. Um
0: goal. Uh, was that in Washington?
1: No, it was. It that was the game in Nashville.
0: Yeah, I don't remember that. I blocked that from my memory. You were there in person. I you? know.
1: Okay. I wasn't going to say anything until you said, oh, "I'll block that out." I don't remember that happening at all.
0: No, I I, re- I, I remember it I
1: happening think. as soon as you Google Matthias Eckholm, you, you you know that face. Yeah. All right, you can find him on Twitter at three uh, D link. You can find him on Twitter at j garcia thirty six. You can find myself at dandy bradley. You can find the show at on the com. Um, any last words?
0: No, I'm excited for the hot chicken I get to have when I get home.
1: I'm
2: excited for you. I'm I'm going to um, make a little bit of. Uh, Quinoa with salsa and black beans and, and stuff and maybe some tempeh. So mm, that sounds pretty good. I had a be
0: pretty good. Really good breakfast burrito today. I had some nice. chorizo and avocado and chopped up some fresh veggies. Oh, wrapped in Nice. Yeah. So I'm not going to be. Feeling. Are you
2: like a master level burrito? Ra- I I I practice. You know,
0: I should be because of my heritage, but <laughs> I didn't. That's one of the few things that I did not inherit from my mom. I cannot wrap a burrito to save my life. I
2: try. I really. I try really hard. Um, but it's something I I sometimes do really really well. Sometimes I just fail miserably. Cool.
1: Yeah. <laughs> all right guys, we'll see y'all next week.
3: I've been
2: watching you all day long, watching you. You're so